Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. As always, I'm Justin, and I am joined by... Local Fry Beth. Big Mac Sam. And I'm Caleb. Oh, God. <laughs> that was chilling. <laughs> what? That was very Hi, Caleb. too. Hi, yeah, I'm here. What? We got a podcast to record, guys. We, we sure do. Yes, we we am all have a podcast to record. Someone has to have done a podcast where they just like multi-track record, talk to themselves the whole time, right? That's got to be a thing. Surely I mean, that's it the is. first thing you do when you learn Photoshop, right? You Photoshop <laughs> exactly. yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or or like when you start learning video editing, you do like clones of yourself. Hey, we finished this book. Yeah. Ah, shit, the book. All, almost. <laughs> well, yes, nearly. <laughs> that's yes. true. Uh, yeah, we read all of part three of Elantris, uh, which takes us more or less to the end of the book. Uh, the particular copy that we have has some extra material uh, that we will be talking about in the future. But uh, for the most part, if if this was, if you have a copy of Elantris that was printed when it came out, uh, this would be what you got. This this is all the way to the end. And we were, even all the way up through last episode, it was somewhat unclear where some of this was going to go. So uh, we have, uh, what is that? Eight chapters and an epilogue to uh, to get through. And uh, there are, uh, there's some stuff that goes down. There's a lot of book at the end of this book. Yeah, the plot appears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I do know what the book is about now. I Yay. think I got it. Uh, we found it. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you uh, did not listen to the very end of our last episode, we are just going to be going through uh, the actual contents of part three in this week's episode. Uh, next week, we are going to be taking a look at that extra material and also just talking about the book as a whole. We wanted to make sure that in this episode, we've got plenty of time to actually go through the events of this section. Oh, I can leave everybody in uh, suspense with uh, my five things that I mentioned in episode zero uh, for another episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can uh, we can return. Uh, we, we can look at uh, predictions that did or did not come true because we definitely have plenty of those. Uh, but the... The, the overall picture we can we can see in a little bit. But yeah, given everything that's about to happen, I think we should go ahead and get started. Hell yeah. Uh, we are going to start uh, part three, The Spirit of Elantris, which actually was the title of the book for a while during its, uh, during its creation uh, until Brandon was convinced to simplify it to just Elantris. So yeah, chapter 55. Uh, I mentioned before that the regularity of the chapters is going to go out the window here. We've got everybody chiming in everywhere, including some people we haven't heard from before. But we do start things off once again with Rayodin. It's also, the Aeons also will kind of match that chaotic energy. Because I think, if I remember correctly, I think the next three are still maybe the same thing over and over. And then once it reaches a certain point... The aeons just go nuts. It's like, here's a new one every chapter. <laughs> there's there's no rhyme or reason. We're going all over the place. This one looks like the Disturbed logo. 
Or is it disturbed? What am I thinking of? Uh, no. So there's some other disturbed adjacent band that has a logo that looks like this. <laughs> the disturbed logo does look like it should be an Aeon, though. <laughs> oh. If I knew the name of the disturbed mascot, I would... Disturbed. Mr. Disturb. John, John Disturbed. disturbed. <laughs> it's Oh, it's just the guy. So Aeon oh the guy. <laughs> God damn. He's so badass. And he's, he's, all, all the art of him is like amazing. And his name is the guy. He's, he's the guy. And you he's know what? Like I Elijah want to be the guy. Wood. I was going to say, he is the guy. Elijah Wood and Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Speaking of I want to be the guy... What's the what's the motivation of the main character in that game? I never understood it. I never quite got that. Well, you want to be the guy, and to be the guy, you have to beat the guy. And it's 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 rather I, I, I there's a lot of thematic similarities between that game and you have to cut the rope, which also has a lot of complex um, morality with regards to the main character's <laughs> motivation. I never quite got the mechanics of that game either. Uh, okay, we've gotten past the the picture to the words chapter fifty five. <laughs> hey, we we had to talk about the part title for a bit. That took a we did some minutes. Yeah, yeah. but uh, this is the next uh, the next day after the chaotic ending of the previous day, where like six people died, and Rayodin is here at Keen's house along with Serene uh, and they are trying to kind of figure out what we do from here Th things have shifted dramatically we're, we're kind of I don't know if there's exactly like an imminent battle yet but like Keen has barricaded the place down we, we don't really know what's what's coming up next so they're they're trying to be prepared for anything and obviously we've we've all read this whole section by now so there's there are things that are no longer uh spoilers but uh it is definitely a might suspicious right at the beginning of this section uh that keen like has a doomsday prep plan like he's ready to go <laughs> he's like gates are shut we've got food stockpiled don't worry we're we're safe here do you want me to collapse the entrance i want to collapse the entrance yeah he really wants to <laughs> collapse the entrance Please. <laughs> Keen, that can't be your solution to everything. <laughs> I've dreamed of this day since I was a child. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Serene is also, uh, has been reading our predictions sheet uh, as she says, I should have figured it out, which I believe <laughs> we repeatedly said, you should have figured it out. Yeah. Oh, Serene. Yeah, this whole page is like, it feels it's very it's a very weird vibe, but it feels intentionally weird. So I kind of like it because they're just kind of like officially in love now. Like they're they're just flat out <laughs> like, cool. Yeah, we're going to be husband and wife and we enjoy being around each other. And this is nice. And we like each other. And so much has happened that it's so weird to have this like. The attitude is almost pretending that nothing weird has happened. They're discussing like the plot of the book. But they're acting like it was a standard, like, oh, yeah, man, I, I, I should have known. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, I gave you, like, 
they're just kind of normal flirting, which it feels so weird to have such a normal conversation at this point in the book. And I honestly kind of like it. Yeah, no, it's it's for a book that like started from the very beginning with a relationship that we never really did get to see aside from some very weird extenuating circumstances. Yeah, we we have we've been told that the two of them got along very well when they had been talking to each other and were very much looking forward to actually being married. And so yeah, they they get to actually like each other. <laughs> you know what, Rayodin, now that you're out of blackface, I sure do like you. <laughs> <laughs> please please never do that again. But yeah, let's... <laughs> he is still like undead at this point. That's that is look. That is a minor obstacle in comparison <laughs> to the blackface. <laughs> if if Justin Trudeau was like, hey guys, I'm secretly a zombie, I would be like, that's fine. I'm like, I can live with that. It's that's not the problem here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're uh they're trying to just kind of Yeah, process everything that has just happened. Um they they talk about Royal who at different times, we didn't get to see Rayodin's relationship with Royal, but he talks about some of it here of how uh, he was very much a, a father figure because uh, Iodon was a pretty shitty role model. Uh, and that was before the murder cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have a little, a very small modicum of corroborating information here in that... Royal basically got Serene to snap out of it when she was in her self-doubt spiral in the carriage, which is good. So it's not completely out of left field that they're like, oh, he was so great. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, Mistborn had a couple of those where they were like, oh, that character was so wonderful. You know, all the things that they did. <laughs> well, I, I'll actually, I'll, I'll go to bat for Mistborn a little bit here, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, but they also make a big deal of like, oh yeah, it makes sense that Eondel did what he did. And I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't think that was, that felt very out of character. And now you're just telling me it is in character because <laughs> I feel like we did not really get to know the crew as well in this book as we did in Mistborn. Like Ham and Breeze, I know like the back of my hand. <laughs> Eondel, sure, I guess he decided to go on a suicide mission to kill Telri. <laughs> I, I, that surprised me, but oh, sure. We, we did have two more books, but also, uh, you know, you got to cram in that embroidery circle. It was vital, absolutely <laughs> essential to the plot. True, all of those women provided a lot to the uh, the plot of the book and the <laughs> events that and they, happened. Their self-defense skills are top-notch. <laughs> it made them last all of a paragraph. Before they saw some consequences and then give up. We'll get there. We got yeah, so much to get just, through. I'm, I'm jumping the gun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the rest of this chapter, uh, it is pretty much just the, the two of them kind of actually talking to each other about all the things that have happened. Uh, those things include Serene uh, had uh, lost her hair because of the potion of fake become a Lantrian. Uh, and one of the things that 
Raiden can do is there is there's some amount of of healing available in Andor, and he is able to grow her hair back. So that's just kind of cool. <laughs> Snatch your wig off and grow hair. Guest director <laughs> David Cronenberg. <laughs> It is definitely a, like a weird interaction until that actually happens. Yeah, I think the end result is a very sweet moment. But when it was just like, he pulled her wig off and the, had to like pull the glue with it. I was like, whoa, damn. Slow down. <laughs> just without even talking to her, reaching out, he pulled off her wig. <laughs> just yoink. And then I know it says it's not a complex Aeon, but it still probably takes like a full 45 seconds to a minute. And it's just silent the entire time. And she's like, what? What was that for? What are you doing? (laughs) What is this? We also get the return of a pivotal character trait, which is that Serene is afraid of heights. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another absolutely essential um, uh, plot thread that shows up again here. Incredible payoff. He's off. (laughs) Definitely. Uh-huh. It comes up more than once during this this chapter. And then <laughs> Yeah. And it's not not the last time we hear about it. Uh we also have a uh another mention of Serene definitely did stab Raoden. <laughs> so, you know, good uh, good introduction to each other. He also mentions like how you know, it took him a little bit to um build his own face i know how long the character creation menu takes in most video games i really <laughs> feel like it would have taken Raiden days of work to absolutely nail it I, he's he makes it sound like it was fairly easy and i don't believe that <laughs> no it would you know it's it's all it's all right except then you're looking at like right where like right at the top of your cheek like right below your eye you're like that doesn't look right from this angle i don't like it and then you have to tweak you got to tweak that and now like now the bridge of the nose is all wrong because it all kind of connects to each other yeah it's a process and once you do that you're like okay it looks great looking at the face head on and then you turn the face to the left and you're like oh no the profile's not that at all that's not right um (laughs) and then you spend forever doing it and then when you finally nail it you confirm the character and then you see your character in a cutscene, and you're like, "That's I, I, that's not even close. I did not, <laughs> did not do good." Or they're just in a helmet the whole time, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> so, uh, yeah one one last thing that they get to to talk about is kind of the mechanics of a a confirmation of what we talked about uh, with Raiden's disguise last episode, where there there were two disguises. And how he was able to to swap between the two of them, uh, but at this point we realize that they have not seen the Hraithan chapter that we ended the section on, uh, and the the things that that Raiden is thinking of, you know, despite everything, Telri parentheses being king, uh, Hraithan and Roel's demise. Uh, and then they actually get to to take a look at the palace with uh, Aeon Magnifier. With Optifine. <laughs> yeah, they, they hit the Optifine zoom key. Enhance. <laughs> and yeah, Yondel and Telri are both dead. So that, uh, 
they had a whole like three pages of feeling good and now they've lost another friend not to get too grim about it but they're lining up the corpses is the idea that like they they gently put Tellery's head right next to the body because they see Eondel's and Tellery's faces at the same time so that that had to have been like there was a you know it's probably two guards per body carrying it and there was like a third guy that was just Tellery's head <laughs> I'm reminded of a a, a a movie called oh I don't remember what it's I don't remember what it's called it's a red letter media uh, best of the worst video where they're reviewing this really skeezy weird Italian movie and uh, they're taking like the cops are taking a body out of uh, uh, building right in a body bag and then one of the cops says the madman cut her up and then fed her to the fish and then they're like but why do you have a body bag yeah what's we, we pulled the, the fish the, out of the tank and arranged them in the shape of a body out of respect and like here we'll just put this we'll just put this next to the other tellery bits at a certain point it stops being out of respect and it starts just being creepier <laughs> a little weird into uh, chapter 56 we are now kind of gathering the whole group instead of just serene and Rayodin. uh and here we have uh we have keen's enthusiasm for collapsing the entrance <laughs> uh, which he, he very much wants to do uh, and also a um a discussion of why did Eondel go do that because there's something you know passionate and kind of noble about avenging your your dead friend but uh Rayodin is is looking at the slightly more practical angle of the king just keeps dying and that's not good <laughs> The next matter that they're going to have to address is that uh, the the guard is is coming, and they need to they need to figure out kind of actually what their their course of action is. Uh, and we see uh, more things that we're learning about Keen uh, is that he is he is preparing for battle, uh, and he is doing so under his own charge. Uh, you know he. He says that he's going to he's going to follow Rayodin's advice as a friend, uh, but that he is not obeying orders from a ruler in any sense here. What a rogue. What a renegade. <laughs> Damn it, if I want to collapse my entryway. <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> it is. You should be able to destroy your own house. Like, that's the whole point, isn't it? Is once you own the house, you can drill holes in the walls until it collapses. <laughs> oh, that's so funny, because my neighbor across the street, the, the people who bought it, and have just been squatting on it and doing nothing with it, and it partially burned down because they squat on it and don't even live there. Uh, part of their roof collapsed today, this afternoon. <laughs> Yay! Good? Bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> hi, hi, everybody. Accountant here. Uh, assets do not just appreciate in value magically. They don't. There's a thing called depreciation, and it happens to everything over the course of life because entropy is a universal fact. <laughs> Things get worse. 
So you need to improve your house, especially after it burns down. Okay. Big ups to entropy. Let's give it up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we have any choice in that matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better. You better give big ups or uh, you're not going to be happy. Can you imagine, like, the guards, though, if if, if they're going up there like, hey, you know, we're going to go ask him if he's there, if he the, wants to be the king, and then suddenly they collapse the entryway. Keen's <laughs> <laughs> just standing in the wall like, you won't get anywhere near us! We want, like, we want to coronate Rayodin. No! <laughs> Liars! <laughs> you killed my friend! Rayodin, like, looks over the wall and is like, Send messengers to the nobility. I plan to hold my coronation within the hour. Uh, do, you, do you guys have a rope? Maybe and, within and two bring hours. bring a ladder. Gotta, gotta get out of here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you guys toss the crown up here and you guys can just gather down there? That might be the easiest yeah. way to handle this. Uh, but yeah, fortunately, the entrance is not yet collapsed. Uh, Rayodin is able to uh, go to the throne room where I don't think we've seen a single ceremony in this throne room go as expected. <laughs> and we've seen a fair few. Yeah. I think my favorite bit of this chapter is him looking at like the faces of the nobility and there's like a good amount of the people who are like confused or worried or scared. And then Rayodin is like, some of them are just like, yeah, whatever. Like, whatever the fuck's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's, it's, <laughs> it's whatever at this point. Yeah. Yeah, their eyes were dull from the shock and they were beginning to show the weird signs of extended stress. It's been a week. If Rayodin is back suddenly somehow and now wants to be king, <laughs> you know what? That's probably fine. Just toss it on the pile. That one John Mulaney gif. You ever have those days where you're like, this might as well just happen? <laughs> So yeah, let's uh, let's see Rayodin's coronation. Uh, it gets literally like three sentences in, uh, and then something mysterious happens with the door, uh, which he thinks is is somebody else doing it intentionally, uh, and he spots a a Darithi priest, which is a strange thing to see here, and his disguise has broken. His uh, his illusion aeons have been dispersed somehow without him doing anything. And his uh, Elantrian self is revealed to the court. And yeah, it's it, it is it is a shock. You know, some people just faint, uh, but also some people are still just like, yeah, OK, it if like <laughs> we thought we were going to get King Raiden back, but it turns out he's an Elantrian. Yeah, I guess that tracks, too. Oh, well. Who's next? Yeah, I guess that attitude carries right on through because, like, Serene gives her big speech and is like, I will still kneel to him. And then they still crowd him. And I feel like the apathy is the driving force here. <laughs> like, I don't know who else it would be, so sure, the zombie's the king now. <laughs> yeah, like, Serene speech aside, they would not have done this a month ago. And now they're like, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Look, as long as he hasn't done blackface, it we will be okay <laughs> with this. Speaking of the serene speech, she channels like Diloph here. Like, look upon this freak, <laughs> nobles of Aralon. I was, I, I forgot how short the speech is because I wrote in my notes, hey, an on-screen speech. 
and it's actually pretty good except for yeah you're right sam she spends a lot of time of like look upon this thing that you are horrified by look at it look real (laughs) closely at it and then she follows it up with and remember you rich wealthy people in a way you're the most oppressed it's like okay that's okay mm, don't don't that's we haven't i think one of the weird things about like the the um class dynamics of this is we've met like four members of the middle or lower class and only one of them has had a name we really that's perspective that is like fully missing from this book so the speech of you rich people are the most oppressed of all feels especially weird in this book yeah there's a lot of hanging threads here that just don't get addressed at all um like the sharecropping what the fuck was the point of that (laughs) what was the point of anything i don't know we'll bring that up next episode (laughs) stay tuned so yeah we have uh, we have an on-screen speech that that does its job we do actually manage to to crown Raiden as uh, king of Aralon. So we'll see how long that lasts before chaos ensues on on this reign. Uh and uh Raiden is is already ready for it as as this chapter closes. He tries to uh figure out what happened. He he he's asking, you know, who, who was that that priest? Uh, we have confirmation it was, in fact, uh, Diloph. Uh, Serene has not been reading this book and does not think <laughs> that Diloph is a, a significant threat, which is a pretty big miss on her part. And uh, Raiden is uh, Raiden is worried. Uh, there's he's really only just started to to learn what sort of things Aondor can do. Uh, but the fact that somebody was able to to disrupt that from a distance without his uh, without him being willing uh, is very concerning. And so he sends a message back to uh, the people of New Elantris. We heard that that Galadon and Karada were kind of managing that. Uh, that uh, something is going to happen, and uh, be prepared, which is both a helpful warning and also not that helpful at all. <laughs> I mean, it's more warning than Raodin usually gives Galadon. This time yeah, it's at least learning. like, get on the starting blocks, be ready to run. <laughs> I, it's also, I was really hoping it would cut back to Galadon and he would go, Ash had told them something was coming. He had a weird, strange gut feeling that something was going to happen, much like Serene did when directly told by Raodin, something's about to happen. <laughs> Some strange <laughs> instinct inside of him goes, maybe something will happen. Her political senses were warning her. Also, speaking of Raiden, like, not ever telling anyone the plan, we know that Raiden does that a lot. But there's a bizarre moment of Serene just fully believed that Raiden purposefully dropped his disguise. <laughs> and it's like, did, did you think he was going to do that and rely on you to give a big speech off the cuff and like that was on purpose and he didn't give you any heads up about that yeah me myself i just like that he didn't say what to be prepared for i guess he does say like tell him what just happened so okay but you know i like to pretend that you know there's a universe where uh the the fjordels are 
leading everybody into Elantris, and they open the gates, and then inside they go, surprise! Happy birthday, Serene! <laughs> you said be ready. I don't know. Be ready for what? We just had to guess. Just had to make this something is, up. This is the plot of a WandaVision episode. Kinda. <laughs> Wanda, be ready. Okay, I'll collapse the entryway. uh we have following this i think we can call this then our last normal chapter as we've we've rotated to hraithan uh raiden and serene did kind of share the last two chapters but it was focused on one or the other of them uh but we have we have one more hraithan chapter here it is of course short uh and (laughs) the the aeon matches and then yeah uh the the aeons go off the rails the the povs go off the rails and uh it it all kind of kicks off with the end of of this chapter here because uh Hraithen is uh trying to one more time here he's going to try to figure out kind of the next step of the plan of this this battle back and forth which he wants to still be going he is uh He's definitely still under the impression that Raiden is an imposter of some sort. Uh, and so he needs to find a way to uh, kind of break that that rule. But he thinks that he can he can definitely do that. We also get our first direct confirmation. It's been like slightly hinted and I was like, please don't. And then they did like slight confirmation that apparently Raiden has had a crush on Serene this whole time. For a while, I was hoping that he just respected her as a human, but no, it's got—it's got to be because she's—he's jealous and he has a little crush. I don't—I don't think we needed that, but okay. (laughs) I literally forget that element of the book every time. Good. Like, (laughs) there's a a much more direct reference later of like, confirm in words he loves her, and every time I read it, I'm like. Oh, yeah, right. Why? Turns page. (laughs) Yeah, moving. Well, don't forget, Serene would probably be flattered because Eondel only showed her respect and devotion and she was upset about that, that he was not romantically interested in her. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's see uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of mood Hraithen is in. He... He, he thinks that he's made a slight mistake in not focusing as much on the Elantrians as Dilov had wanted. Uh, because if, if he had actually gone along with instilling that hatred, then maybe they wouldn't have, have supported Raiden when his, his secret was revealed. So maybe he made a mistake there and he's, he's under too short of a deadline. There's not enough time left. Uh, you know, there's probably at this point... I don't know, a couple of weeks on the original deadline. Uh, but as he and Diloph are going back to the uh, the chapel, Diloph goes a different way. And Hraithen is, uh, at this point now, like suspiciously follow him, following him. He thinks something's going on. And uh, something is going on. The We find our way to the marketplace in Aralon. And then suddenly the, the, the torches are lit, uh, the tents get, get torn down or, or people emerge from them, 
and the monks of Dakor have arrived. We've been hinting at this, thinking about this the whole book. Uh, now we have it. Uh, Dakor Monastery has arrived, and we have weird creature people. <laughs> Freaky bone people. Freaky bone people. And uh, it turns out that the deadline is now. Uh, Wern has apparently changed his mind. Uh, it's going to be time to to conquer Aralon tonight. Uh, and buckle in because it's time for the whole rest of this book to be like one giant chaotic scene. Yeah. Plot. It's, it's just, uh, we're, we're making up for some of the slow pace of the rest of this book. Plot is happening and it do not stop. Yeah. It's going to keep on happening. <laughs> I, I do have one question, which is what, so what was with the Fjordel assassins that Royal hired? Did that, was that anything? I don't think that ever comes up again. That's just, I think it was like pretense to just kill him. I I guess, but I kind of assumed since they hyped up, you know, the Fjordel forces so much, that would end up being at least slightly important in some way. And no, that I guess didn't really matter because there's been an army of other Fjordel people here the entire not the entire time, but <laughs> setting up setting up camp. So yeah, let's uh, let's see what uh, what Wern's plan now involves because that's now the most relevant question. Uh, we'll start to chapter fifty-eight. Uh, we do in fact now get brand new aeons every chapter, and Rayodin. We're, we we are starting again with Rayodin. The uh, the mansion is under attack. Uh, apparently, Rayodin had had decided uh, to go back to uh, to Royals which may have been a mistake because you cannot apparently collapse the entrance to Royals. Damn and, it. And uh, yeah, there is a, there is a fight that has, has come to him and we get more of a description of the, the Dakor monks. They are, they're people, but they have very kind of weird misshapen bodies. Uh, and one of the soldiers gets like a, a good sword slash on one of them and it it just kind of bounces off uh so that's freaky and it uh it takes like two sentences before uh Rayodin gets uh incapacitated and captured by Diloph himself so things going great so far this Diloph though he seems trustworthy let's repeatedly go along with him in an effort to appease him <laughs> just need to keep him very focused gotta keep him focused and uh as serene said not gonna be a problem he's 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 yeah. just doing his own thing he's probably he's still just upset. Angry. <laughs> he is angry she was right about that yeah <laughs> an angry little man well, he's not little. He, apparently he was buff the whole time, and Hraithen just never noticed. I know he's wearing robes, but that's still kind of wild to me. Yeah, there is a uh, a bit of a contrast between the, the Diloph we see in action here and all the rest. But uh, yeah, uh, the the first interaction we have of uh, the, the Dakor monks and our, our heroes, uh, not great. Pat. <laughs> Rayodin has been uh, 
I mean, he's an Elantrian. You you punch him very hard, and it's going to do significant, lasting damage to him. Uh, and so he is in immense pain. Has been captured, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll just take a quick break. Go check in with Serene, who's working with this beggar Hoyd. Wait, what? Hoyd. Yeah. So he he was still a beggar in this book, just mm-hmm. not the one that I used. To mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, this is Hoyd's one and only appearance in the the text of the book here, uh, and it is literally just uh, he is apparently one of the um, the Arlene beggars. Uh, Serene does know a little bit about him and uh she is she's using his services to uh i don't know if it's exactly smuggling but it's it's some sort of uh slightly clandestine delivery going on here but how are we supposed to get it inside of elantris don't worry there's like five ways to get inside that the guards don't know about (laughs) i mean at this point i feel like with everything going on you could just use the front door probably (laughs) Or with the fact that your husband is the king. That too. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, my husband's the king. We're bringing this shit into your lanterns. Get out of our way. Thanks. <laughs> There's also, like, I it's, I know we still don't know a ton about Hoyd. It is implied that he's been here for ten years. I, I, there's no... it's It says Hoyd's people had spent. It could be... He, he hasn't technically been here the whole time. It's just she's just referring to all the beggars. But it's at least hinted he's been here for 10 years. So, so, what's, so what's his deal? What's, what's this guy's deal? Who, who are you? I, brother, I wish I knew. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're, that's fair. Uh, but so we've read the first two series that Brandon did out of order. Uh, but not that much out of order. And so... Even if you had had read them in the other order, the only thing that you would get, I mean, if you even noticed, a lot of people didn't, was there is a character named Hoyd in both stories, and he is some sort of, uh, he's a beggar or an informant or, or something in that general area. Uh, and I think at this point, we didn't even know uh, if it was just like, an inside joke that like were they even the same person or did brandon just think it was funny to to name this beggar hoyd for some reason in both books i would totally would have assumed he was just recycling names like there's two eon plantations in this book miss Ford has a house erikel and erikeller like sure we're gonna have two hoids I will say, and this might have changed from edition to edition, the Ars Arcanum of the Mistborn books does have an entry for Hoyd, which is a mystery yet to be answered or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I feel like there, at least, it's pretty clear of like, there's something going on. That's supposed to be a little bit funky. Um, but yeah, we don't really have many answers currently. And I think, I don't recall exactly. I could try to go look it up. But I think if you go to... Like the the Q and A's with Brandon, and somebody asked him about Hoyd, and probably got an answer something like what was in the the Ars Arcanum of, yes, that's the same guy. You'll learn a lot more later. But yeah, that's uh, that's all we have for now. So uh, aside from the distraction of the fact that this is Hoyd, 
we have Serene is uh, is arming the the people of Elantris. Uh, she has has shipped off uh, some swords and bows, and is is hopefully hopefully this does get the message across with with Raiden's vague warning of hey be prepared i'm worried also here's a whole bunch of weaponry oh it's not a birthday party okay or it's a very violent birthday party but this uh, this meeting uh, took place uh, along the the walls of elantris so serene now needs to go home uh and that gets interrupted by the massive amount of chaos that's now occurring in Aralon. <laughs> that gets interrupted by hell. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's on fire. And everyone's dead. Okay. Children's book out the window completely. <laughs> it's just over. Yeah. Serene, uh, her, her carriage gets attacked. The carriage driver is uh, rapidly dead. And she needs to try to to make a run for it to get back to to Keen's house, uh, and is almost going to make it, and then uh, does not quite because she's trying to flee from weird demonic people who can apparently <laughs> just catch up with her. And the, the that fight rapidly goes the other way uh, with the arrival of Keen and his giant battle axe. Axe. The axe! <laughs> it happened! Oh, the wall axe. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, so uh, here's Keen. Uh, he collapses the entryway, finally. Yeah. He doesn't even he doesn't even get to do it, though. Luke Hale gets to yeah, do it. Luke I feel Hale like... To pull, pull the lever. Keen was probably just not close enough to the lever, and he was like, uh, oh, damn it, no, Luke Hale, you should do it. We don't have time. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think the lever was labeled? Or do you think it was just like a winky face emoji? <laughs> it's it's a lever right next to a light switch. It's like, no, 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 not that one. I've I've played enough Dwarf Fortress. You need to be very careful with the, the trigger lever for your doomsday machines because they will get set off. Right after the entryway collapses, we also get, just keep track of how many names are listed in this paragraph. Serene plopped into a chair staring at the quiet room. Shudan was there, and he had managed to find Tarina, who was sniffling quietly in his arms. Dayorn, Kaisei, and Adian huddled in a corner with Luke Hell's wife. Serene also <laughs> forgot her name. <laughs> Rayodin Ray 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 looked her in the eyes and was like, it's very important to me that I'm not the only one who doesn't remember. Serene's like, you could learn it. I know her name. No, you must now forget. <laughs> yeah, we even got the kids there. But uh, but not Lukel's wife. But uh, yeah, we we figure out why Keen has a, a gigantic battle axe, uh, and we finally resolve one of the repeated lingering questions of this book: What's going on with Driot Crushthroat? The answer is he's right here. He's a great cook. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is so dumb. I, I thought this was the dumbest way to wrap up this thing. I why. How? How is this not common knowledge? How? Why would Keen, if Keen really did have the throne taken away from him, why would he adopt an illegal persona to try and take it back and be a pirate with a fake name? I, it's, I, it's. This is so wild. I don't. Let me be clear. I don't hate it. 
It's dumb, but I don't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Being a pirate sounded fun. He he was trying to make an R-flag means death out of it. Just go have some fun on the high seas with his boys. That's fair, but but he's also like, and I'm also really upset that I didn't get the throne, and that's why I was attacking the fleets of Teod. It's like, well then, (laughs) which one is it, man? And then they never bring it up again. Serene has like one thought later on of like, hmm... What's going on there? And that's it. This conversation just ends. <laughs> but not before he uh, refers to himself in the third person. Driak wanted what belonged to him. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> Driak's precious throne. Is this him just like like trying to separate that part of his past from who he is now? Or is he just like being dramatic? That's it's. I kind of interpret it the first way. I just. I am. I'm just baffled by the fact that he is the oldest brother, which means he does deserve to have the throne. It is not common knowledge that he became a pirate and changed his name, even though it was while he was changing his name that he was upset that the throne was taken from him. Then, after getting over the fact that the throne was taken from him, he went back to his old name. And not a single person knows that he's actually older than Evanteo is, or has asked any questions about why he's not king. It's, it's, I wish we got more explanation, and we do not. <laughs> <laughs> we very much do not. And does Evanteo know that he's Driak? And if so, why would he not constantly try to kill this guy? <laughs> this guy being his brother, who tried to kill him. Did he try to kill him? Or did he just fuck up his fleets forever? He crushed his throat, maybe. We still don't even really know why that happened. We just know that that's how he got the name. Yeah, it's... <laughs> so true, Bestie. <laughs> I do wish that we did get a little more on this, and maybe if the events of this final section were a little more spread out, we would have had time to to get to each of them a little more because I think there's an interesting something in there that Evan Teo, who we've repeatedly said is like in the running for best father we've seen so far also apparently uh, stole the throne. And like, that's something that was decently far in the past. And for the most part, like, Evanteo seems to be competently running the country. He's like, he has a good relationship with his kids, all that. But also his, like, his rule is, is false. And like, there's something interesting there. And we just don't have any time to get into it with everything else that's happening in the end of this book. And on top of that, he's not completely mentally stable because he still thinks his wife is alive. (laughs) Like, there's so many unanswered questions. (laughs) Yeah, I legit think there's, like, this is one of four, like, reveals TM in this last section that's like, oh, that's cool. Wait, I I have questions. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get answered? Okay, great. Yeah, there's at least one other one that very much is in that category for me coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was actually just recently listening to... Uh, the Sanderlanch podcast, and they just finished Warbreaker. Uh, and so I 
kind of a comparison of endings of books. Uh, and one of the things that that Brandon mentioned in the annotations actually for Warbreaker is uh, he acknowledges that the ending of Elantris has too many things happening all at once. <laughs> so some of his future books, he very much tried to not do that again. So yeah, let's uh, let's see what else is going on because apparently we don't have uh, have time to get into the fact that Keen is a pirate lord of some sort. <laughs> what we have also going on is uh, Diloph has given up on subtlety and is now uh, chief villain of this whole endeavor. Yay! It was always <laughs> Diloph. Yay! I mean, Woo, like, big ups to Diloph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, uh, plus one for the predictions chart, minus several thousand for the people of Aralon. Yeah. <laughs> As I wrote my notes, he's real jazz that he finally gets to kill everyone. He is very he's, excited he's, about he's the so like, fucking hyped. <laughs> he's still, wait, hold on. He strode into the chapel, his face bright with satisfaction. I'm just picturing like a like a Robbie Rotten walk into his <laughs> chapel. <laughs> I was thinking the uh the uh confident Vince McMahon walk when he like walked oh, down yeah. the ramp that one time. <laughs> that was Wait, what I was he thinking. Look yeah. <laughs> That's just Vince McMahon though. That is yeah. <laughs> But uh yeah, uh it's time for another reveal. This one we actually do have time to think about and actually see the implications of. Uh, Diloph not only has authority that Hraithan didn't realize, uh, but that authority goes very high. Uh, he was, in fact, the leader of Dakor Monastery. So that uh, that explains somewhat of why there's an enormous horde of of Dakor monks here and why Diloph also can do those things but uh yeah this is uh this is not good for Aralon here <laughs> Diloph was a Fjordel this whole damn time I cannot read that sentence without <laughs> going into this whole damn time this whole damn time very good this is I like this I, I do like this um I think uh, uh, Sam and I both uh, got the points of he is uh, Diloph trained at Dakor. Um, I don't remember if Sam got. It was a surprise to me that he was the leader of Dakor. And I like it yeah. more than the Driok thing. It is... Uh, it still also raises a lot of questions, such as, is there someone else who has been running it for the past, like, several years? Because Diloph's been <laughs> here for a while. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I know the monasteries are very secretive, but speaking of like changing names, it seems like Diloph is just his real name. And it seems like that was also the name he used at the monastery. And there's not a single person, including a Gjorn, who knows that like, oh, this person has the same name as that very high ranking member of our church. That's weird. <laughs> it's... Uh, I don't know. There's a certain there's certain details in here that are like that doesn't that that it would it feels like it shouldn't have worked out that way, but okay. Yeah, especially in this universe with no last names. Except for Driok Crushthroat. <laughs> Except for Driok <laughs> Crushthroat. 
<laughs> What's this second name? What is that? <laughs> is that allowed? What, what do you call this? That's why they messed it up, because they didn't know how to handle last names. Mm, must be. <laughs> it was supposed to be crushed throat, but they didn't know what to do because there was another name at the end of the first one. I shall call it the final name. <laughs> that is a cooler concept. Yeah. I don't know. After fifth finger, I, I don't know if we need any more fantasy. I, uh, what is it? Uh, call Duck a Smearp. Mm-hmm. I think we've, we've, hit, we've hit our quota for Elantris in that, in that department. Also, going to briefly soapbox here, uh, go look up the article Falsehoods Programmers Believe About Names. It is an entire list of things that most people... It's in the context of like writing a computer system that can handle names. Uh, but it's a whole big list of things that most people assume are true about names, none of which are true. And you should be considerate of if you don't want people to have to... like mangle their own name to type it into a form so and and some of those things are like people have a first and last name or people have at least a first and a last name so there's there's all sorts of names are complex and let people tell you what their own name is because they know it the best anyway remember how like scantrons on all the really big like important step tests had a very limited number of characters and anyone with a rather long name is just fucked. Like, you just can't mm-hmm. fill out your whole name. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> Pete Crow Armstrong. <laughs> His jersey does look silly. It's extremely arched. <laughs> yup. Oh, but, like, this whole, like, return to Hraithen POV for this for the rest of this chapter, I was like, yes, 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 yes! <laughs> But also at the same time, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad, but I knew it was happening. It was like, um, uh, oh, it was the, uh, the snoo snoo episode picture, you know, where, uh, I don't know if I can find the right gift for it. Where, uh, Fry and Hermes, I think, are like, the one where they like changed the walls and they're like alternating between smiling and looking in terror. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Here's that. Yeah. It was, it was like that. It was that facial expression just for the whole chapter. <laughs> yes. Payoff. Wait, sorry. Hang on. I, I just realized, like, what, what was Diloph's actual plan while Harithan was here the whole time? Was it literally just to fuck with him? Because all he needed was to wait for the Dockhorn monks to get here. Everything else Diloph did was extra. It it does seem a little weird that Harithan was there at all. <laughs> To a certain extent, like you were, you were there to inform the people of their impending destruction. So he's just supposed to be there and be like, "Hey, everybody, you're all gonna die, and there's nothing you can do about it." Like what? I will say, even though it's it feels weird to require Gjorn for that, it was really really cool. Of um, I think it happens here of Diloph going, "You should reread that letter. Your job was not to convert them; it was just to tell them they're gonna die," and. Yeah, if you go back and reread that letter, that, that that's pretty true. It's it's only Wraithen <laughs> who is like, as long as I convert them all first, we won't need to destroy them. The letter implies that converts are going to be spared, but it definitely says like, hey, in three months, the countries are going to be destroyed. And just let them know that. And that was a really cool, it was, it, it felt 
you know, it wasn't quite as bone chilling, but it was uh, very similar to the reveal of uh, the Well of Ascension uh, texts being changed of, oh, yeah, if you go back, that definitely was not what you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did think that was pretty interesting. Here it is. Hey, look, I found it. It's on page 57. <laughs> nice. It's also totally legitimate for Craythen to interpret it in the way that he did. Because that is kind of the way that that sounds sometimes. If you're looking at like, um, I'm trying to think of a, a good phrase for it, of like the, the kind of like prophecy type thing where it's like, you know, this is this is the future that is incoming. And then Hrathen interprets that and says, you know, this is my mission. I need to convert the people to avoid this fate that they're being damned to. Right. Even if that is... Th- purely him reading into it yeah the the Raythan, yeah picks up on the implication of i can i can save them but there is no conditional statement in this letter it is go do this in three months i'm coming in and i'm destroying everybody who opposes me can i read the actual like go for it yeah yes because a guy right here uh, know this high priest my faithful warriors are prepared and they wait only the word of the of my wern you have three months to prophecy to the people of Erlon. At the end of that time, the holy soldiers of Fjordan will descend on the nation like hunting predators, rending and tearing the unworthy life from those who heed not my words. Only three months will pass before the destruction of all who oppose my empire. In other words, you have three months. Go preach. I don't care. I'm going to kill them all anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the only thing that that was a lie in there is that it seems like the deadline has moved up. From, yeah. from Hraithen a couple scenes ago it seems like he felt that there was still time and apparently there isn't maybe that's what happens when you demand that god make you a cardinal yeah (laughs) no also fuck your whole country (laughs) oh he's dead already shit oh that's okay i don't care (laughs) burn it down anyway go have fun boys yeah So yeah, we'll uh, we'll leave off the uh, the Fjordel contingent here with Diloph, uh smiling at the potential of the slaughter of the entire country, uh, and we'll return to Raiden, who is also having a bad time. Yeah, at this point, uh, his purpose is just as a hostage. Uh, he has been has been brought to Keen's fortress home. Uh, and Dilof wants to uh, wants to make a deal uh, of some sort, and Rayodin at this point doesn't really have anything left, given the the pain he is enduring, uh, and so all he can kind of do is just go along with this. Let's make a deal, and I wrote satirically in my notes: "Come out, and I'll kill you all, including him." That's a good deal. Yeah, uh, you weren't far off. <laughs> because yeah we're, we're going to rapidly bounce between the the povs in this scene here uh Raudin is here he hears the the offer get made to make a deal we go to uh serene who is is being cautioned by the the people on her side uh keen says you cannot negotiate with him and this is the the man that she loves that's involved, and so she has to try, uh, has to at least speak with him. 
and Keen thinks that, well, okay, I, I can't really deny you that, but that will that will be it. You, you know, they they draw a bow. We're retreating. We're locking ourselves in, uh, and it uh, it doesn't get that far because we have superpowered Dakor monks to fight, and Serene literally just gets up to the wall top when they just like swarm the building. And now there's uh now there's two hostages. So things have uh continued to get worse here in Aralon. <laughs> Keen forgot to set up his uh collapse the roof trap. And that was his <laughs> fatal mistake. And so we we turn from here. Uh we had seen earlier that Craythan had once he thought that he had Aralon taken care of with with Telri, uh he turned to Tiad and uh now Diloff is going to do the same thing uh the the invasion is here to 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 take care of Aralon in that they're all going to die and with that kind of in the books he's he's already turning his focus to uh to Tiad and he now has the relevant hostage with uh, with Serene, and so he's going to negotiate with Evanteo. I know there's a lot going on, and I know we'll figure out how this happens. But Diloff very casually says, Hello, I am in K. I will be in Teod in one hour, and Evanteo has no questions about that. <laughs> yeah, that... Uh without the knowledge of what is is going to take place that does seem like a strange claim we also what i thought you were going to mention is we uh we have another uh bit of info on the mechanics of uh seans contacting each other uh because we had this whole thing where apparently dio flew all the way across the ocean to go talk to hraithan and now Diloff is is able to take uh, Krathen's burner phone, which apparently he knew about because he was in charge of a lot of stuff, uh, and just says, call King Evanteo and can just do that. That is extra funny that he knew about the Sion and it was established after Krathen got back from his stint in Elantris that someone tried to break into the Sion box but couldn't. So I'm just imagining Diloph like whacking at it with a little crowbar, like, I know there's a Sion in there. I want to use it. Please open up. And and then also Diloph, like King Demon, giving up on that. Like you yeah. you'd think <laughs> the Diloph we're seeing now probably could have pulled that off. Yeah, it seems like he should have been able to rip that box apart with his bare hands or something. Yeah. There's also uh in the midst of all this chaos. I think this is just kind of a, a clever little bit uh, where Diloph makes his his threat and and makes himself known, uh, and Evanteo says "Merciful Domi," and, and Diloph says, "Didn't you convert? Wasn't that a whole thing where you very publicly <laughs> converted? You shouldn't be swearing to the other god, should you?" <laughs> But then says, well, no, it's it's irrelevant because uh, here is my threat. There's no negotiation here. There's no there's no messing around. Uh, he says, you need to prepare for an immediate surrender of your entire forces 
or I kill Serene. So that's that's all you have. And he doesn't even he doesn't even stick around for like any actual negotiation. He just makes his threat and then hangs up. <laughs> Boop. Goodbye. As uh, as this scene closes, we have a, a couple of things here in rapid succession. Uh, one is uh, Hraithen. We're starting to see the the turn here. We're starting to see a a shift from Hraithen does not like the way that Diloph is doing things to Hraithen actually wants to oppose Diloph. If we if we look carefully at our graphs. Hraithen is right at around the peak of the having a bad time a meter. <laughs> He's not having the worst time of anyone in this scene, though, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but Hraithen does also ask a, uh, a very relevant question of what happened to Diloph to make him hate Elantris so much? Sam, what do you think happened? We'll get to that in a bit. Oh. <laughs> I'll never tell you, says Diloph. What Diloph does say is, oh yeah, Raoden stab oh shit the king <laughs> oh shit the king and uh and just stabs him uh we get our our shortest pov in the book thus far uh where all that raiden can do is experience the pain of being stabbed and not die because he is still an elantrian and this is you know we were we were talking earlier on Raoden had had felt the the pain kind of gradually building over time and was what was wondering what that was going to do to him and this has all of a sudden answered that question was there is there is now just nothing but pain uh and at the at the end of this this paragraph we have there was no longer self there was nothing so Raoden is uh is firmly at the the top of the having a bad time chart yeah, things are not looking good. It's bad. It's going real bad. <laughs> Can I just say though, I love Diloph's villainy. This is like a villain's villain. This is oh, yeah. great. Yeah, no, it's and we were talking this whole book about how interesting of a character Hraithen is, uh, with the the seemingly villainous goal compared to what we see him as an actual as the actual character uh and now that uh, now that things are kind of all coming to a head and we have these these loyalties shifting around and Diloph is now our our main villain he gets to be a villain and it's it's <laughs> quite the thing but yeah the uh, the last part of of chapter 59 because we do have an extra uh, an extra half a page after Raoden loses himself is we we get a, a a terrible moment where we start hearing his kind of mantra as he is has lost himself of failed my love, which is just terrible. And yeah, Diloph is is just kind of doing whatever he wants at this point. Uh, Serene is is being brought along. Uh, apparently, New Elantris is already under attack, so that's not going well. And yeah, this is uh, this might be the low point here of of our heroes. One of my favorite payoffs to this point, though, is Cholula happens or is ordered to happen here, um, because Diloph says 
like I predicted, that you stick everybody in a Lantris. Yay! Stick yeah. them on a Lantris, burn it down, just like uh, Chalua. Yeah, not to... For, for the sake of the people in this book, not the best comparison to be an accurate one, but uh, it sure is. Going into chapter 60... We have we have so many pieces going on at once here, so we'll try to, to try to keep track of all of them. Uh, the first one is that uh, we have Galadon and Karata, who, as Galadon says, he has a promise to keep. Uh, Raiden has reached his point of no return, and so as they said, they are going to try to take him to the lake. So. Not not to make this even darker than it needs to be, but I had the conscious thought of um, there's only one scenario in which Karata would also be ready to give up, and that's if uh, the kids are included in the people who have been, uh, who have joined the Hoed. So yeah, things are looking real bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also see the uh, the crew on, uh, on the outside of Elantris uh, it's a it's a Lukel POV all of a sudden for not a great circumstance for him either. He's been captured. Pretty much everyone involved in the 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 gang here has been has been captured at this point. Uh, a a brief kind of note uh, of something that I think would be uh, would be fun to to picture in this awful circumstance is how difficult it was for them to actually subdue Keen. And it says, even though he is at this point, like, completely tied up and slung on the back of a horse, if anybody walks too close to them, he still tries to kick them. So, good on Keen. <laughs> Briefly appearing in this section as well is Adian, who is counting his steps. We'll get back to that. Um, also, uh, Lukeo also forgets his own wife's name. <laughs> You know, I'm beginning to suspect that Brandon may have just forgotten. Decent chance of that. Doesn't mention his mother's name either. I guess, but, you know, you don't think of your mother's first name when you're thinking of her. You're just like, that's mom. Yeah, you're actually right there. So, yeah, uh, that group is uh, is not doing well. Uh, we go to Crathen, and we see magic that we did not know was a thing in this book before. Because uh, it, it turns out that not only do the the Dakor monks have the the extraordinary physical capabilities that we've we've seen, uh, they can do all sorts of stuff, uh, including we mentioned it when it was uh, brought up in the the book of Aeons of the existence of teleportation like throws a whole bunch of things out of whack of what you're kind of thinking about. But yeah, uh, the, the Dakor monks can do that as well. Uh, it takes, they, they have uh, 50 Dakor monks who are going along with Serene and Hraithen, and then one monk who does not make the, the transit most notably. And uh, they, they fulfill their one hour travel time with time to spare, because they they teleport to Tiad. Mm, they teleport. <sighs> Sam, a man just died. 
Uh, yeah, we have even more Mistborn DNA of, hey, here's the cool good guy magic system, and you can do all sorts of cool stuff with it. There's also the evil magic system that can do a lot of the same stuff, but you have to kill people to do it. Um, it's it is I, it's very interesting that uh, this is two parts of the Cosmere already where Brandon has approached magic systems in a similar way of mm-hmm. there's the good version and there's the warped version that is a lot crueler even though it can accomplish similar things so it's weird to me i'm jumping maybe a paragraph or two i don't know uh how are the ships arriving in teoras which is the capital city of teod when they are teo ships wouldn't they be there already i think they've just like been called back like the fleet is all coming in it called back from like a perimeter kind of thing. I think yeah. so. Yeah, okay. I assumed they were in defensive positions, and now they're being yeah. called to come back to the ports. All right, fine. Okay. I do want to um, talk briefly about the the multiple magic systems thing uh, because it is. I, I think it's interesting how there there's a bit of a difference there, where in Mistborn we very explicitly had three different magic systems that have a kind of shared power source in that they they both come from the the shards of ruin and preservation in some way and they they have somewhat overlapping abilities uh, but they are treated as kind of three very distinct things in elantris we did not learn nearly as much about aondor as we did about the metallic arts in mistborn and so some of it i think is just a consequence of that of there wasn't as much focus on kind of the raw mechanics but the, I think the, the summary of Aeondor as we know it is that there's a vast amount of power that's available. And by manipulating the shape of things, by like having very specific shapes, you can access and control that power. And we know very little about the, the way that uh, the, that or monks work, but that seems to kind of be the same like one sentence summary just taken in a wildly different direction and we'll actually see one more before we get through the end of this book i was going to say there's <laughs> one more we know even less about yeah of we're we're going to access this power by uh by shaping things by by taking very specific shapes so i just, i think it's interesting how we do have again multiple overlapping magic systems but because of what we know about them they feel at least to me they feel quite different but uh yeah i you know i i joked about it after the uh the joke about teod laportation uh but prathen is uh, ha- has some some very painful memories returning uh this is the the additional cost of a lot of the Dakor magic is that that one extra monk uh, that was at the center of the the teleportation group, uh, he is dead. He he was used to fuel this teleport, and is just gone. So that's apparently how this works. And then, uh, as at, as this is you know very rapid and considerably ahead of his one hour ultimatum, we get another like cool villain move from deal off of just saying we will wait having just arrived with his army of superpowered demonic monks it's like yeah 
we'll wait. I gave you a deadline. Deal off is messed up. He's a rude dude for sure. We're going... At this point, we're kind of in a a much smaller POV cycle. Uh, because for, for much of this chapter, we're going to be looking with uh, Rayodin, sort of. Uh, Hraithan, Galadon, and Lukel. So, checking in with Galadon... He is, he's trying to fulfill that promise and it's really just a, a time to, to think for Galadon. And there, there's been jokes about the, the kind of, uh, the doula pessimism and how much does, does Galadon actually subscribe to that? But he's, he's just kind of talking to himself here of Rayodin almost, almost made me believe that maybe there was, maybe there was actually something that we could do. But uh, with the state of everything falling apart, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's not good. I I don't have much more than that. Yeah, the, the tragedy of this part is that he it still does believe. There's there's part of him that is still hoping for Raiden to fix it, which is really quite sad. Scattered amongst the descriptions of how the the horrible ways all of the new Elantrians died again yeah Galadin's having a bad time it's bad um yeah but there's also like a strange oxymoron to it because he's talking about like he still has hope he actively still has hope and he hates it and then he talks about like well in a few minutes he'll get to the lake and he won't have to hope anymore and you wouldn't go into the lake unless you had given up hope that's kind of the point of the lake at this point um, so there's a weird amount of, like, we'll, we'll see it, um, but, uh, Galadon feels still, like, up until the moment where they get to the lake, there's still some resistance to the idea of we gotta give in that, but yeah, like you said, it's very sad, but it's also very interesting because he's telling himself, well, we made the decision, we're gonna go into the lake, but he's not actually 100% there yet and I think that's really interesting we check in with Lukel who uh, this is the first aside from the the food distributions this is the first uh, time that there's been action taking place in Elantris that is not part of the Rayodin and Elantris storyline because yeah this is uh, this is Diloph's plan is Elantris is just going to become one giant uh, funeral pyre. So we do have Jala's name, though. So I was going to say, I thought you were going to say this is the first time that we see uh, Luko's wife's name. And I was like, it's close. It is close. Uh, Adian is behaving strangely again. We'll get back to that. And uh, Shudan is uh, doing Tai Chi. I mean, Che Shan again. Yay. <laughs> and we don't actually like the the POVs are shifting so rapidly here that we don't actually see the uh the the moment here. Uh but uh yeah, he is he is preparing his exercises again. And <laughs> is is going to going to at least go out with a fight. There's also there's the moment of Lukel sees that and then finds a table leg. And he decides definitively, okay, I am going to help fight back. 
just keep that in mind. Put a pin in that. <laughs> uh, we check in with Rayodin. Uh, there is pain. We stop checking in with Rayodin. <laughs> Life is pain. Uh, and then we learn some Diloph backstory. And this was, I mentioned it last episode, this was my nomination for most surprising prediction. Uh, because, yeah. so when I, uh, I I read a little bit ahead of the the scheduled chapters so that I can know like what to, what to pre-discuss and whatnot. Uh, during, what was that? Episode seven, no, episode eight, I think. Several episodes back, Sam made a prediction about uh, the the case study in Rayodin's textbook of the the woman whose Elantrian healing went wrong. And Sam made a prediction that that woman was somehow linked with Diloth. Uh, and at that time, I had not finished my reread for this podcast. I had also forgotten about this scene from the last time I read the book. So, Sam, you made that prediction, and I thought to myself, I should look up who that was. I wonder if we know anything about her. And then found literally exactly what you described. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge prop, Sam. That was a buck wild call that early. Very well done. And, you know, I was a little surprised by it because um, I think I put it under the probably won't happen, but would be interesting. Yes, no, that was just an offhand at the <laughs> like at the end of your, your list was... Maybe, like, maybe Diloph knew who she was. Yeah. Um, because like, we have all these characters, right? And I... I got I like a lot of them. And, and a lot of them do things. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if he didn't just throw this anecdote? What would happen if he didn't just throw this anecdote away? I don't know. Maybe she'd be something important. So... So his wife, apparently... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this happened long enough ago for them to write a book about it, or have it be featured in a book, I guess. Remember, Diloph's apparently super, super old because of his magic powers. It's like so. 60 or something, right? I don't know. 60 or 70, I think? So, oh, I yeah, it was 70. nearly 70 years, yeah. so hopefully that means he is a nice age. <laughs> well, if we know he's not a nice guy. That's, yeah. that's true. All that being said, He's an old spinster hag now, so he could never remarry, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, Royal was going to get married again, and he was apparently That's like true. 80-something, so... That's true, <laughs> I forgot about that. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't want to ascribe too much of, a, of any sort of good to Diloph, considering what he's doing in, in this section, but there's, there's some tragedy here of... Uh, he had he had been in Aralon for some time already as like a spy almost, uh, and he he met a he met a woman in Aralon and they they fell in love and they married. She got very sick, and he was he was so in love with her that he did the blasphemous pagan thing of taking her to the Elantrians to be healed. Uh, and as we we saw with Rayodin, it was just some little tiny mistake of Aeondor 
that ended up giving her this this terrible pain that was so great and so unsolvable uh, that she ended up killing herself. And that's why Diloph hates Elantris. Yeah, you knew it had to be something impactful like that to make you hate Elantris as much as he does. Uh, and uh, not to be too grim about it, she tries to kill herself, but she but is in the middle of become yeah. Elantrian. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, again, like, we can't excuse the things that Diloph is doing right now, but goddamn, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I burned her. She never stopped screaming. She screams still. I can hear her. She will scream until Elantris is gone. That's, that's like, those couple sentences are enough to be like, okay, again, don't condone anything you're doing. I understand why you're doing yeah. it. That's, that's get real it. bad. <laughs> well, let's see if Galadon's POV can cheer us up. Uh... <sighs> Quick break before the lake. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, they, they are still climbing. They are, they are both exhausted. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back to them. Let's go back to the, uh, the funeral pyre where, uh, I have a feeling that this is the aforementioned, uh, twist that is met by an okay. Yes, (laughs) this is, oh, cool. Wait, what? Reveal number two for me. At least all of the depression of this chapter is alleviated by the, what, what, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, uh, Adian, who uh, has been just kind of like slightly weird the whole time, uh, has apparently been an Elantrian the whole damn time. This whole damn the time. The whole damn time? Secretly. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, secretly. <laughs> uh, I just... This might have any impact if we had spent, if if Adian had shown up in more than two scenes before this. Yeah. As I wrote in my notes, Adian was an Elantrian. Uh, he flops in the pyre for some reason. I guess that's fine. <laughs> also, Lukel makes very little effort to stop him. He like reaches out for him once and then Adian keeps walking and Lukel's like, damn, he's, he's gone now. <laughs> Yeah, Luke Hell, who has already sworn to fight, is just like, well, I tried to grab him once. No one could have done anything more. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's not even the point of let's take, let's find that pin we put a pin in. But yeah, you'd think that he he's he's been inspired by the magical Tai Chi. You'd think that he would try a little bit harder than that. <laughs> hey, how many soldiers are there? And how did they gather hundreds of Elantrians in like a night? Well, the Elantrians, I think, all got slaughtered by the monks, and that was because that was before the monks actually teleported away. But that's still a lot of picking and dropping. Is yeah. What I'm saying. I, I mean, there's been a decade of people accumulating in Elantris, and as we've seen, they don't go away. So, yeah, some some logistical questions. Let's get uh, more Diloph and more Hraithan backstory. I did get a really fun. Uh, 10 foot putt prediction of within this reading when I found out he was the head of Dakor I'd be like 
be interesting if he remembers Raithen. And then it literally starts with, I remember you, Raithen. I was like, yes! <laughs> yeah, no, as we start to piece this timeline together, if Diloph has, has been in this position for that long, and we know that Raithen was very briefly at Dakor, then yeah, they, uh, they, they did actually meet each other. Which, again, raises some questions about, like, why didn't Hraithen realize who he was? Uh, but maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, like, they didn't use his name. I, sure, maybe. Um, sure, I do need to, like, I want to bring up again with regard to fake names. When Diloph is talking to Evanteo, he just flat out introduces himself as, I am Diloph, the Grogdet of Dakor Monastery. It's, I don't think he's ever used a fake name. Yeah. But whatever. But uh, yeah, we get, uh, we knew that Hraithen was very briefly at Dakor, and we knew that he left for some reason. Uh, and now we see, we see the rest of that story, uh, which was... We, we've seen exactly one use of Dakor magic so far, which was teleporting a, a whole group of people to, to Tiad, which cost the, the life of a Dakor monk. And I guess if you are some sort of ruthless demonic monk, that's a, a trade-off that you can make, was, was we're going to sacrifice one person, we're going to make this you know, enormous journey of this huge group of people over the ocean instantly. So that's pretty considerable and that will cost us the life of one person. Okay. Uh, apparently Dilof would just do this because he didn't want to walk. He was going to, to go talk to Wern, which was like a 15 minute walk and sacrificed someone's life to teleport there. And and he tells Hraithen that this is a you know a demonstration of the the absolute loyalty and commitment that is required. Uh, but for Hraithen, this was this was too much. Was you cannot just throw people away like that. So yeah, Dakor, uh, crazy fucked up place. Even for the people who are there and not getting attacked by them. I will say with regards to some of these reveals, I think I said earlier in the same vein as Driot Crush Throat, I talked about how like they're hyping up Doc Horror a lot. They better have some good payoff for it. There's a pretty good payoff here. There's they they convinced me that these are some really fucked up people who have gone through some fucked up shit. Um I was I was kind of expecting to be disappointed by the Doc Horror monks, and I was not. I uh you know, I was a little upset that they were like magicians instead of just really good fighters or whatever. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of just Elantris being the magic-y place. But um, I think I prefer this version to my mind version. So I like it better. Good job, Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> hey, big ups to Brandon Sanderson. I don't hey. know if that's a hot take on this yeah. podcast, <laughs> but like, I feel like he deserves a little bit of credit. <laughs> so as... Uh... As Dilof and Hraithen are are talking and thinking about this, uh, the Teo fleets have landed. Dilof has declared this a success, says there's only one thing left, which is the death of King Evanteo. So he's off to go murder another king. We've had 
plenty of those. It's time for one from a different country now. <laughs> uh, and we will go back to uh, Rayodin, who is still in debilitating pain and really just kind of only exists in his mind at this point. Uh, and this was a this was a prediction that kind of went back and forth where uh caleb when was that that was episode three was hey elantris looks like an aeon which at as we come to the very end of this book this is a this is treated as like a major reveal uh <laughs> way back when we were starting this was a thing that you just looked at the map and said hey doesn't elantris and the city look like an aeon and then that didn't seem to go anywhere and so we just kind of left it there <laughs> i think i did even i i obviously probably got a lot of details wrong but i think i even predicted around that point of um there is something wrong with the shape of Elantris and that will need to be like fixed or traced over in order to activate the magic or in order to do to accomplish something. I yeah, I yeah. I believe Sam had the <laughs> like the exact phrase I bet there's just one broken Aeon somewhere or something like that. Yeah. Tech support kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But we both, I mean, I think you glommed onto it, like, more specifically than me. Mine was just, like, I, I bet it's, like, on the wall or something. I didn't think mm -hmm. it was the whole shape of everything. <laughs> I, I was, I, this is hypocritical of me because I did not catch the base Aeon being the shape of the, of Aerolon itself. But, but Raiden, how did, how have you not noticed this? How is this the yeah. first time you're noticing? <laughs> I, I'm with you on that one. I, I'm 100% with you on that one. It would be it would be one thing if it was, oh, I just realized this itself is an Aeon that is incomplete. But no, it's very explicitly, this is him even realizing that Elantris looks like an Aeon in the first place, which I feel like he could have come to a conclusion beforehand. But alas. Especially since it's it's his Aeon. Yeah, like, it's Aeon Rayo. Yeah. yeah, when things are associated with my name, which is Elizabeth, so it's extremely common for things to be associated with the name Elizabeth, I'm like, hell yeah, I remember that. That's personal now. Apparently not for Aonim. I, I think if I were, like, if I wanted to try to fix this, if, if this is, like, not quite landing, I think maybe you just show us a whole bunch more things that look like aeons but aren't magic like this this is a society where there's a form of magic built on tracing these interesting shapes and i think you would probably see like people just decorate with like little inscribed aeons all over the place just because like because they look neat and because they kind of give you an impression of like rayo meaning spirit like that that's like a kind of a meaningful thing and so then I think you would, you could look at the city of Elantris, which quite obviously looks like an Aeon. And the realization would be, it doesn't just look like an Aeon, it actually is supposed to be a functioning Aeon. Hmm. But uh, yeah, Rayodin has, has made this realization. 
Uh, let's see if he can do anything about it, because he's not in a good place to do that right now. But right now, it's time for that pin that I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, oh. Is, uh, yeah, here's, here we're back with Lukel. The, the, the pyres are getting ready to, to get lit. Does uh, Lukel do anything? No. He says, <laughs> we will be next. And then he says, don't look. The bad things are going to happen soon. Implying that he's just fully given up on the I'm going to fight back plan. <laughs> the last, uh, now that we're done with, with Lukel not fighting back, uh, the last two things here in our chapter, Hraithen uh, is uh, really giving a, a think about the events that are occurring. There's there's not much more for him to do right now. This is a uh, what is probably going to be a surrender in many people's minds, though Diloph did say he wants to go kill Evanteo. But Hraithen uh, is, is going over everything of, you know, he still does want to uh to convert and kind of take over uh Tiad and Aralon like that's definitely still on his mind uh but this is from the very beginning he has wanted to do so while preserving the actual people and uh that is is getting increasingly out of his grasp at this point so uh we we're we're hoping for a, an imminent redemption at this point. Looking at the graph, he's having a real bad time. <laughs> mm-hmm. His stomach grew sick, even worse. <laughs> and then the uh, the the very final moments of our our chapter, uh, Rayodin has has made a realization. There's something that he needs to do, uh, which is is going to return to his whole thing with the Elantrians is him having a a purpose and a goal is giving him just a little bit that he didn't otherwise have uh to try to resist the pain of of being an Elantrian in this case maybe that's a bad thing because it brings him closer it it lets him just experience his pain more cuz he's basically incapacitated at this point uh but he he no longer wants to go to the the pool he wants to go do the thing that needs to be done and ends up just falling right in whoops i know i know it's bad for the characters i found that fucking hilarious i i i (laughs) in a good way i really love that moment of just like I'm just picturing in my head of Galadon fully given up. This is it. This, this is, is all a deep, meaningful be. moment here. And then, yeah. And then Rayodin just screams and Galadon goes, ah, don't look in, shit. Um, and <laughs> drops Rayodin and then he splashes in. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. But yeah, we were, uh, we were thinking about, you know, when we first saw this, this pool, it was, Rayodin was saying, when when I can't stand it anymore, bring me here and 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 put me in, and that's happened, and it's now a bad thing, and we have to deal with that. But the chapter is going to end, uh, and we'll have to to get back to that uh, chaos once we're done with the other chaos. <laughs> a lot of chaos. A lot of chaos. Uh, going then into chapter sixty one, 
Uh, I think I'm going to nominate this Aeon for most Spirograph. I was going to say, we have a biblically accurate Aeon in this one. <laughs> oh, the next one's pretty good, too. This is the Disturbed logo. This one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, starting into chapter 61, uh, it's time to attempt redemption, shall we? Redemption is here! <laughs> Not only that, Redemption is kicked off by Raithan decking Diloff in the face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think definitely something that uh, we've been waiting for of Diloff getting punched in the face. Uh, it is, I'm going to say it's it's the tiniest bit weird that it is Serene, be, Serene's life being threatened in particular that is the thing that kicks this off. Uh, but... Yeah, here we go. Freythan has this. This has gone too far. Uh, th this is this is not what he wants his faith to be, and he just goes for Diloff and punches him in the face. And the the immediate response to that is Diloff tries to stab Freythan back, and it turns out that Freythan uh, has, as always, fully committed to the bit. And has just been wearing full plate armor, like literal, actual, solid plate this entire time. And so stabbing him with a dagger is not going to work. Very cool. Very cool. He does nothing for show. Cue montage of everything Raithen has done for show up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> but he does it for show with a goal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I felt a little bad in that I slightly contributed to, uh, like, I, at one point, um, there was a line where I, I think Serene was looking at Hraithan wearing his armor, and Serene says something about, like, um, like, it's part of the, the ceremonial garb for Gjorns, but most of them, it's, it's just, like, an imitation. And I, like, I pointed out that line knowing that this reveal was coming just because i think it's super cool of no he is actually just wearing full plate uh i don't think you should feel bad about that because a i honestly I, I don't remember you pointing it out because b i also didn't remember that line which led to c me saying why is this a surprise it's <laughs> the only thing we know about Raythan is he always wears armor why is why are people shocked by this um, so it is good to know that I had simply forgotten that, like, it has been brought up that it might not be, um, like, legit, actually useful armor. I had just forgotten about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's probably why I pointed out, because it's only brought up, like, once before. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough, I remember it, but I remember it like Kraythan remembers Wern's letter, because I thought that it was everybody, every Gjorn has this armor, and it's always useless for all the Gjorns. But it turns out it was just most. Not Hraithan. I think that's what Serene... I, I want to say it was Serene's POV, and I think that's what she thinks of, like, at one point it was decided that the the ceremonial garb of the position of Gjorn would be this, this blood-red plate armor. And then Serene thinks about how, like, it, at this point, Gjorn's just, like, it's... It's not actual battle armor. It just, it still looks that way. But yeah, this, uh, th this is how this, this fight kicks off with Diloph just getting punched in the face. And then 
Krathen uh, attempted to get stabbed and it doesn't work. Like attempted to get stabbed, like it was his decision. <laughs> a, a an attempted stabbing occurred. Yes. I also like the uh, the note that as Freithan is is springing into action, uh, he points out that uh, Dakor monks have all of these extra physical abilities, uh, but they still can be surprised. And and what he has done is very surprising. So they do have a few moments before Diloff will actually regroup and, and take action. Let's have a weird and slightly creepy couple of sentences from Rayodin. Uh, as he has, has entered the pool and he can hear someone uh, speaking to him. Uh, and it is very calm and it is it's trying to, to give him a place of release... A, a way to take the pain away. And at this point, he now has to try to to fight against that. So uh, that's weird. <laughs> we'll go back to the city of Elantris then, uh, where, okay, maybe Lukel was not doing anything because he was waiting for Shudin. But it definitely does not look good where he was very prepared and then was very prepared to give up. <laughs> It is. It feels like it was probably that, but then also Lukel is like, for a second, is like, oh, I guess Shudan's not doing anything, and it's implied that Lukel is also like, oh, then I will also do nothing. Right. <laughs> I I am not so like bullish on his uh, complete surrender here, because I I I feel like. It, it has been observed in humans and in the world in general that when you view it as there is not even a single small remote teeny tiny possibility that you will survive that you just go okay i guess why does oh, it matter yeah. i might as well die quickly i i agree with that i think it's specifically just the line from five or six pages ago of when the time came shuden would not fight alone like Lukil very much resolves to fight back and then is, yeah. then continues to waffle quite a bit until he <laughs> does not anymore. Yeah. I, I feel like this whole sequence could work if we just like drag and dropped Lukel's paragraphs around of like Yeah. Adian a watch Adian goes to join his brothers and they're about to douse everyone and he has completely given up and then it's like, oh shit, Shuden's about to do something. I will fight back too. And uh Shuden is in fact about to do something. Uh, because we have uh, the very littlest amount of detail about this one here. Uh, we have magic that is done by uh, accessing a power through the use of specific shapes. Uh, because Shuden is it, it goes into goes into this fight uh, and has some extraordinary abilities in hand to hand combat, uh, and also has his eyes closed. Uh, because this is some sort of, of magically assisted martial art here. Oh shit, wait, what? Reveal number three! <laughs> he gives Lord Ruler a run for his money of Bitch Slap of Doom. He does. He slaps <laughs> a demon's monk so hard that it turns the head around and snaps the neck. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this this does bring Lukel into action, uh, especially once he... 
uh, is able to to get a sword from one of the soldiers. So we're going to have a some resistance there, and then we're gonna keep going elsewhere. There's there's so many POV jumps here. We go back to Tiad, where Krathen uh, is now fighting against the the Dakor forces like completely. This is just him trying to to hold them off, and he is uh, he's doing so with a sword, and. I don't think we had we, we had seen some elements of Hraithen's, uh physical skills before. Uh, I don't think we'd seen anything with him wielding a sword, uh, but he is is quite skilled here. Uh, and when uh, when that's combined with the fact that he has managed to to find a choke point, uh, he is at least for a little bit able to uh, to hold off the the Dakor monks here. Yeah, there was Beth. I don't know if this is on your list of four, but it was it was a wild like change of pace. Of I love the line for the first time in ten years. His heart and his mind agreed. I was like, yes, awesome, that's great. And like two lines later, he may not have been a Dakota monk, but he was a master swordsman. And I was like, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, that that just came out of nowhere. Okay, <laughs> that was that was not fourth on my list, but I feel like it does slightly qualify. Of oh, okay, like the one time. Like, there was that one time that Eondel had held a sword against his neck where maybe he could have, like, also grabbed a sword and disarmed him. But no, he just punched the sword out of Eondel's hand. He punches the sword, catches it, and then hands it back. Yeah. Like a master would. Uh, yeah. I, how could I not have seen this coming? <laughs> Raodin has now... Uh... We we once again have uh, have Galadon Karada being suddenly surprised by Raiden doing a thing, uh, because he has now uh, burst out of the pool, uh, which I don't think they've visited the the pool all that many times. But that's definitely not a thing that was on their mind as a thing that could happen, and uh, Raiden is still not in great shape, uh, but. He he has something to do, and he's going to go try to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it very... Well, no, he actually does... I was going to say very slowly, because he's still hurt. But, but, like, two paragraphs later, he's sprinting. So He's sprinting. He's going. Uh, in between Riordan coming out of the, the pool and sprinting down the mountain, uh, we have the, the battle in Elantris, uh, and we have... What is really unfortunately the one and only time that the fencing club gets into action here. For three sentences. And then Eshin fucking dies. And then Eshin <laughs> I fucking dies. Swear, I swear to God, I almost put Eshin on my death counter. And I was like, no, why the fuck would they kill off Eshin of all people? And that would have been like one of the three that I got right. So yeah, the uh, uh, shoot-in is fighting... Uh, Lukel is fighting the 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 fencing group the the women there have have gathered uh fallen swords and have have joined in the the combat and and it even it, it notes that they are like demonstrating quite a bit of sword fighting skill like Lu- Lukel notes that they are significantly better than he is but they are this whole endeavor they are they are outnumbered and and outarmed and it uh it 
very rapidly just kind of falls apart. And that's a little disappointing. No endgame pose for me. No. <laughs> it would have been bold if they did the endgame thing. And then, like, as they're all starting to charge, like, ten seconds in, a bunch of them start eating shit. That... <laughs> I don't think it... I don't know. It's weird to say. That wouldn't have improved it, but it would have been more interesting. Yeah, we'll, uh... I, I do wish we had more from that. We will We'll get back to uh, Lucal and the group there. Uh, we briefly see Raiden sprinting downhill which is hard to do so and like it is kind of darkly hilarious of uh galadon noting that if if raodin like slips at all he is going to fall all the way down this mountain which is like like a little funny to picture in a really morbidly awful way (laughs) i like he's still he still wouldn't die, so they'd just be back where they started of, damn it, now we gotta bring him all the way back up to the lake again. <laughs> back again with Hraithan and Serene. Uh, they are, they have managed to uh, escape into one of the buildings in Tiad. Uh, they hid in a cellar. Uh, as was the other family in here, they just kind of like barged in and joined them. Excuse us, don't mind us. <laughs> and they they manage to to get away at least for the moment. We have a uh, uh, another discussion of of the armor. Uh, at this point, Hraithan has decided that uh, they need to be a little more stealthy, and uh, plate is loud and very recognizable, uh, and so it is time to ditch the armor. Uh, and we have a uh, a suspicious. Uh, he, he ends up um, basically just wearing pants, and that's it. Uh, and a a suspicious one sleeve around his arm, which uh, we'll get back to. the The end of of this little section here uh, is another. I think another really good point of looking at Hraithan's relationship with his faith, uh, where he. He, he says, my faith is in Jadath, a god who wants the devotion of men uh, and does not stand for this massacre, even if it is being committed in the name of his, his religion. Uh, he, he says, this is, not, this is not how we should be. This is not what we should do for Jadath. And the, Shudareth is still a firm belief for him and he's going to try to do something about that his way i did really like that there's there's a another line at the next faith and pov that's my problem is with Wern, not with god um and i just think that's really really cool um speaking as someone who does still believe in god but also really does not like some of the things that the church says and condones from <laughs> time to time i really love that idea of believing in the ideals of a faith even if you don't believe in the institution um i i think that's really cool and i'm glad that Rathen is is here and has completed his his villain with demon qualities graph and is now has now joined the side of good <laughs> with a uh, a mere 20 some pages left it was a a, a narrow it, it was a, a narrow cut there, but uh, yeah, we 
we we do get to see Hraithan uh doing things that uh there's been the whole back and forth of we we like we like Hraithan and he is doing antagonistic things and now we do get to just outright root for him here in this this final section of the book hell yeah two uh two more check-ins with both Raiden and his uh his mad dash and also Lukel and the fight in Elantris both of these are pretty much just continuing in progress I think it's a a, a really cool line uh where Raiden is is thinking that uh, his mind is on loan, uh, returned from the void for a single task. I agree, that is super cool. But speaking of his mind, we kind of skimmed over it earlier, but he fully got like a devastating head injury that left him severely concussed slash brain damaged a few chapters ago, which was like, oh crap, as an Elantrian, that's that's horrific. Then he immediately got stabbed in the stomach, so we forgot about that. Is he just... Is that... Are we done with that? I think he may just kind of be running on magic at this point. That's fair. I fully respect that. <laughs> no, it's just noted that uh, several times how perilous this dash is. So if he's also doing it severely concussed, that's wild. It does end on him saying he's feeling as much as seeing his way. So I did interpret of like, no, he's still real fucked up. Uh, he's yeah. he's it almost just kind of getting lucky or perhaps, as Justin said, magic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's adrenaline will do crazy things, maybe. Magic adrenaline. Uh, the, the check-in with Lukel is pretty much just... Uh, the fight in Elantris has has ended, and the, the the brief resistance they they tried, but the the soldiers there were too many of them, uh, too not enough actual like fighting force in the the resistance. So it's back to uh, burning the city. I'm just trying to hang on. You know what I mean? So, so many flipping flopping back and yeah. forth here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next, we do get um, almost to the end of the chapter from here. Once we go to uh, to Galadon here, we go Galadon, Raiden, a non-POV narrator for a single paragraph, and then Raiden again. And this is basically all one sequence. So we do, we do have this here. Uh, and this is kind of like, here is the like, capital M capital T magical twist here where we've learned that Andor was was broken when the chasm opened because now they need the chasm line as well we've learned that the city of Elantris is a large functional Aeon and so it's time to go fix the one broken Aeon we, we need to add the chasm line to the city of Elantris and fortunately for uh, for those involved here, it seems like the the intent of the matter is is kind of enough uh, in that most of this aeon is built out of like the walls of the city and the roads of quite considerable structures. And Raiden has a stick that he can draw a line in the ground. Uh, but that, as we see, 
uh, is enough. He finds the right spot. He starts drawing this line. It immediately reacts magically. And uh, there we have it. We we have the the restoration of Aeon Dor, uh, the completion of the city of Elantris, and everything's going to change here now. So we made it. Yay! Yells to the guards, don't disturb my circles. Pretty much, yeah. Karada did get beheaded, unfortunately. Which, like, I'm happy for Galadon. I'm very happy that Galadon lives. Just very unlucky roll of the dice that Galadon only gets stabbed, but Karada gets beheaded. Yeah. uh, It it happens two sentences before Raiden finishes the line. Yeah. And then she's, like, barely slash not mentioned for the rest of the book. They do. She gets a grave at the very least, but yes, I wish. Okay, good. Yes, but I do wish they had spent a little bit more time about that because, yeah, that sucks. But no time for that because Rayodin's about to make anime real. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, for for the first time, actually, in the present day of this book, we have uh, fully powered, full strength Elantrians. Uh, and it's, there's a, a transformation sequence. We've got glowing people. We've got glowing hair. It's, uh, it is definitely pretty anime. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is just in time for the, the, the people being gathered in Elantris, uh, which would be quite uh quite an experience to to see that city come back alive while you are while you are inside it uh but that also means that all of the elantrians there the ones who had had not been uh been burned or completely destroyed they get restored as well and so the fight here is basically over uh because there's there's nothing that this group of guards can do against the entire restored super powerful city and everyone in it Raiden himself uh, returns there uh, gets to shoot energy from his hands and and just like blows this feudal monk away and uh, yeah this part of the fight uh, is over Raiden is is able to just kind of say get out you've you've lost here in Arlon uh, Elantris is restored, uh, and then Lukel I think summarizes some of the reveals in this section, and he says how totally unexpected, and then passes out. <laughs> we do need uh, apparently one more POV flip before the end of the chapter because uh, Diloph is still in Tiad, uh, is still trying to both find Hrathen and Serene, and also conquer the city. And so this has kind of shifted where our, our primary fight is. It's now very much in Tiad. And uh we're gonna we're gonna see what we have in our final two chapters here. Chapter 62, uh, returning to Serene and uh Hraithen. And Hraithen's plan is is fairly mundane right now. He's he's just going to try to sneak them out of the city and then try to kind of stage a, a resistance after that, I guess. Uh, but there there's not going to be any, like, 
confrontation with with Diloff today. They just they just need to get out. Uh, as they are uh, heading to do that, uh, Serene asks him him straight up, "Why have you? Why are you now helping me?" Uh, and this is, I think, the the even uh, better follow up to his his previous thoughts on his relationship with uh, uh, with Jadeth, where he he outright says, "My problem is with Wern, not God." But isn't Wern God? No, silly. Wern is the. Uh, hang on. The <laughs> the Lord Regent of all creation, something along those lines. Is his title on the map? I think it is. He's yes, that's what I'm going for. Uh, he's the prophet of Shudareth, ruler of Jadis' holy kingdom, and regent of all creation. Um, but that is separate from uh, Jadeth himself, of course. This uh... entire religion has been very straightforward and has a normal amount of vocab terms to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I just default to referring to every religious leader as a pope. <laughs> But uh, now we uh, we go with, uh, I guess if the first section was Serene's POV with the two of them, uh, now we have uh, we have Hraithen, uh who is is trying to trying to deal with the fact that he has in some ways majorly betrayed the the people and the groups that he's been working with for a very long time, and is is trying to figure out why he did that and what he has to do now uh and we we have uh this this part about how he had come to love her and this is weird and i don't think it's necessary yeah there's not so much reason for that yeah it's like if you're if you must do a love triangle and to be clear you mustn't but if you must at least commit Oh yeah, also Hraithen got stabbed. I was going to say, you ah, kind of buried the lead there in terms of when the love gets brought up. Because yeah, he gets stabbed, and I don't know what you guys are talking about. There's the point of um, uh, Fionn smiled and disappeared into the throng of people. Then there's like a weird, like, whited out part of my book. And then it just goes, <laughs> he thought, Jadath, be merciful to my soul. I only did the best I could. And I was like, man, what a way to go. That's pretty cool. I don't have any issues with that. <laughs> Kobe, um... By fucking Fiona. Yeah. yeah. Reveal number four. <laughs> Fiona's still here. I kind of, I really want to love this. I really, part of me really loves the idea of first thing Raithan did was be like, this guy's a fucker. I'm getting rid of him. He doesn't matter to me. And so the idea that he's the one that comes by at the end to stab him, there is something cool and thematic about that. But then when we get the Fionn POV, it's like, yeah, Warren was able to tell the future and tell me to be at this exact spot at this exact time, and that's how I stabbed him, and now I'm going to go get a drink. And I don't know. I think that I, I don't think we need the Fionn POV, although I know it's kind of setting up the future of of what else can Warren, what is Warren capable of? Um, I think the best way to fix this is just instead of having Raithen send uh, Fionn back to Fjordel, have him be like, hey, I'm headed to Tiod after I'm done with Aralon. You need to go there and start, like, be my messenger, essentially. And plant the seed that Fion is here. And then I think it would be fucking amazing that th that this is how it ends up going down. Um, 
because yeah, part of me really loves that espion. I, I just feel like there's a couple of things missing that do make it, yeah, reveal number four of, oh, okay, all right, guess we're moving on now. The the one part of the connection that I do like uh, is that we have, um, we've established that the, um, the, the different Dorethi monasteries, uh, like th there's the whole thing about like, what is it? I think Rathbor trains assassins. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but when way back at the, way back at the beginning, when Hraithan sends Fiona away, uh, he also specifically tells him, go to one of the other monasteries and do more training, and then you will properly be able to serve Jadeth. So uh, it turns out he picked Rathbor as the, the monastery he was going to go to. And that I, I do like that part of the connection. By the way, for those curious, uh, Fion, not a fucker. This is my, my official proclamation here. I can get behind that. And the reason why is because it's like... It's for it has a purpose. <laughs> he yeah. wants he wants self improvement. Whereas Phylon was like, I'm gonna be a shithead to you for no reason in a way that doesn't even advance my own cause. Fion wants to be an assassin. Here's how it happens, and then he's gonna go get breakfast. And God bless him. I think that makes sense, but I think it's also fair to say Hraithen thinks Fion is a fucker. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. I mean, getting stabbed will do that to you. I, w I think even before that, Hraithen's like, this guy's a fucker. Get out of here. Get out of my country. <laughs> so Serene is, uh, has to react to this. Uh, I am, I am glad that she does not seem to uh, reciprocate his affection uh, in that her immediate concern is uh, he was the only person protecting me and now he's bleeding to death. So I'm in trouble. Uh, but uh, they have now also been found by the the Dakor monks, including Diloph. So uh, not going well. Fion goes and orders breakfast. Good for him. <laughs> and then uh, we need to check in with uh, Aralon, where 99.8% of this story has been taken taking place, but is now just kind of left behind and needs to get caught back up. Yeah. Things are fine there now. I mean, they're not great, but they're actually getting better. I do love... I wish we had gotten more, like, we understood Luke L as a character more before this, because I think this would make this moment even funnier. But I absolutely love, leave me alone, I'm going to die, you need to You need to help the others. And everyone's like, shut up, let me just heal you. And yeah. like, within <laughs> seconds, is able to completely heal him. And then Luke Hell's complaining. He's like, I don't even have a scar. I was going to tell all these stories about this battle. Uh, and yeah, Raoden is completely done with his, his shit. He's like, my, my grandchildren will be so disappointed. Raoden's just like, they'll live. <laughs> just uh, like a microcosm of what I was so afraid of at the beginning is... Leave me, Luke Hell said of the pain tone. I'm nearly dead. See to the others. Stop whining is the reply. And then effortlessly drawing the Aeon Ian. It's like, okay, fine. But here's the thing. Brandon's kind of earned it. Uh, and I feel like Rayodin has earned it as well. So I, I wasn't that miffed about <laughs> this, this sword and sorcery magic hand wavy stuff. 
because it's it's been earned. It's been well earned. It has not been this uh, panacea for everything, this whole mm-hmm. book. It's just now finally at last working. So, okay, fine. I'm also, I'm kind of of two minds about how much we know about Aeon Dor. Because I think the the impression that this gives that you're that you're mentioning uh is is very affected by the fact that we don't know any if you compare it to what we knew of Alamancy, where we had very like explicit details about what each metal did and we were able to speculate on how certain elementic things work uh for for Aeondor, like we know what some of the aeons do in like that that en is a healing aeon for example and we know that there's all these modifiers but we don't know like what any of the modifiers look like or what kind of things can be modified uh, and so we have to get a little hand wavy here where Rayodin just does a magic uh, but also i don't think with the amount of detail that we've seen andor can get into i don't think there's any way that you could actually explain it in in any detail without it being horrifically boring so i think this is just where we end up i do appreciate that from the story with um uh siala Dilof's wife um it is clear that like aeondor can still be dangerous if you're not like being very careful with it um and I, this should not have happened but it would have been there's a lot of leg wounds that have been healed in this book it would be very very darkly funny if Rayodin is slightly distracted and starts healing Lukel, and Lukel's like, wait, why is my skin changing colors? Why is my pain lasting forever oh now? Oh no! <laughs> Rayodin! But uh, yeah, Rayodin, I mean, and Rayodin is a little distracted by the fact that even though this whole conflict in Aralon has has kind of wrapped up with the return of all these superpowered Elantrians, uh, they can't find Serene, and that is definitely occupying his mind. Uh, he gets his answer very soon uh, because Ash arrives, uh, who tells Rayodin that Serene uh, is now in Tiras, which makes no sense to Rayodin. So we'll have to figure out that problem. Uh, we see where Serene happens to be at this moment, uh, which is being cornered by Dilof, uh, and there is nobody there really to help her. Uh, because Hraithen is bleeding on the ground and the townspeople are not equipped to fight these demonic monks. So she is uh, kind of at the, the end of her luck here and uh, not not good. The amount of, of people who are in precarious situations is kind of concentrating down, but Serene is still very much in that, that circumstance. Going back to Rayodin, he has uh, his usual plan, which is to run off to try to uh, do something immediately. Uh, except in this case, he needs to cross an entire ocean. Uh, and he is going to do so via teleporting, which he he begins to try to do. Uh, and then Galadon manages to uh, impress upon him that this is a tremendously stupid idea. Um, quick, Sam, how far is it from your current location to Paris? <laughs> God, I have no idea. 
Exactly. 9,654. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this, uh, Units. this plan isn't going to work. Like, uh, I, I realize that Rayodin is distraught and needs to save the one he loves now that he can potentially do so. But he is just going to try to blind teleport uh, to TRS. And uh, fortunately for him, we have... Uh, is is this like the last layer of twist? It's definitely one of them. Uh, is uh, Adian, who we've seen only from time to time in this book. Uh, but he he's always counting things. And we saw earlier he was counting uh, steps, counting a distance. Uh, and he can tell you uh, 1,054,442 paces from here to TRS. So now Rodin has his number. And th I will say that this does not quite reach the bullet point of, okay, what the hell? Because I actually had another 10 foot putt prediction there when they were, as soon as uh, Rodin was like, I need to teleport to uh, Tiad, I was like, there's no way he can measure it correctly. And then I thought about it for one second. I was like, unless there's someone who magically knows distances. And I did. I, <laughs> I, I was able to, about a page before it happened, predict that a DN was going to be able to help with that. I feel like that's generally been my cadence for predicting Sanderson reveals is like a page before. <laughs> and now that uh, that Elantris has been restored, as we, we saw that uh, with the the last minute reveal of, of a DN being Elantrian, uh, the the power of Elantris being restored has uh, has given him uh, some help as well, and he is uh, he they're they're now going to try to to make this jump. They have a direction that uh, that Ash was able to point. They have a distance from from Adian's knowledge, and uh, here comes uh, here comes Rayodin. There's also, I, I don't, it's not exactly specified what the first measurement is um, when he says that's how many steps it is to Tiaras. My assumption was that's probably like the center of Tiaras. And if that's the case, just picture how big a city is. And picture <laughs> how much distance in the grand scheme of things 40 paces is. Because apparently there is a 40 pace difference between the center of the city and uh the docks of the city yeah that's huh. uh, that's not much beth as someone who has previously uh walked out distances as part of your job it's not that far i don't <laughs> i don't like to we started caddying in middle school so it counts as the <laughs> forbidden category <laughs> justin how could you <laughs> yeah i didn't think about that if like if if my wife was being held hostage in the loop and I got teleported into Streeterville, I would be pretty pissed. It's like, I, re I really appreciate that they have to readjust to be, to be more specific. I think that's a really neat detail. But the difference between the two, I feel like should be way bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Next we see uh, Raiden's teleportation succeeded. He he makes it to, uh, to TRS. And he is able to immediately uh, join the battle and uh, and fight against uh, against Diloph and and save Serene. 
And considering considering what a, like a crowded scene it was of everyone trying to get to Serene and kill her, also a slight miracle that Raiden doesn't teleport directly into someone else's oh, no. space and telefrag them. <laughs> so yeah, he he bursts onto the scene. Uh, he's able to uh, use uh, some Andor to to fight off some of the the monks. Uh, he makes it to Serene. Uh, he starts to teleport them back, uh, and he moves them about 50 feet, because Aeondor doesn't work so well all the way here in Tiad. That was another very funny image to me of, yeah. you think they're safe, and then they look around, right, and it's like, shit, damn it! <laughs> yeah, it's, this is like, like high chaos going on here, and this is just a very funny image in the middle of it. Because, uh, yeah, the... The, the plan has not exactly gone... I mean, I, I don't know if Raiden had a plan. He 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 got here, so that was part one of the plan. Uh, but uh, as, as Serene says, it's not much of a rescue um, because they are now once again uh, surrounded by Dakor monks. Uh, Raiden even doesn't quite fancy his odds at this, at this time. And... Uh, it uh, it it very briefly is is not going to uh, to be good for them. Raiden says, uh, you know, next time I'll bring an army w- with me. Uh, very much fortunately for him, uh, Galadon was doing the more practical thinking part of the plan, and does in fact bring the army. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is a really cool moment. Yeah, I love Galadon. He's great. So cool. And I also love another detail of like, uh, Brandon didn't need to put this in, but I'm glad he did because it makes it feel more realistic of like, yeah, a bunch of them do not do the Aeon correctly, but enough of them do that it helps like save the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a, a fun little detail. There's also the fact that uh, the the Dakor monks, uh, who probably for the last decade have been some of the most dangerous people on this planet since Elantris lost its power. Uh, the Dakor monks, most of them just stand there and take it, uh, which doesn't go well. Like, they just get wrecked. <laughs> but uh, Diloph is, however, still a threat. Uh, one, because he managed to avoid the attacks. Uh, and two, because of his magical ability, uh, a thing that cost the death of 50 people, uh, to be people. resistant to the door, which is, yeah, uh, this is our bad guy here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It was, it was a weird, like, double stipulation, though. If it starts with, Diloph was the only one who thought to duck, and then two paragraphs later... Oh, also, he's, like, resistant slash immune to this. So the ducking actually was probably not the most important thing, but that's fine. But uh, Diloph has uh, one last plan, uh, because with the the force of Elantrians arriving, he probably can't actually do anything to Raiden or Serene. Uh, But the plan a couple of pages ago was to go kill Evanteo, and that's still on the table. So he's going to go try to do that. And uh, what we what we get is a uh, an actual one-on-one battle for a little bit uh, between 
Raiden and uh, and Diloph. And it's actually now turning against Raiden here. We've we've had quite a bit of back and forth of who has the upper hand in these battles. And uh, fully powered Elantrian ranks pretty high. Uh, but Diloph is still very physically capable himself with his, his Dakor powers. Uh, he has the additional uh, immunity to, to the door. Uh, and he's also just kind of in a frenzy right now. So he is, uh, he, he starts to, to turn this fight. I do like the detail in the fight of one of Raiden's moves is just, I'm going to pick an Aeon that's really fast to draw because mm. we've noted before that Aeon door does not seem entirely practical in combat by needing to draw these complex figures. So I appreciate that sort of lampshade of, I need one that requires six lines. Yeah, yeah. make wall. <laughs> Aeon of make wall. We also have a moment where Diloph says, the Skaze are right then. Elantrians are not indestructible. Before I say something stupid, I need to check with Justin and Beth and Sam if he can remember. Have we heard the word Skaze before now? We don't know a damn thing. Brandon, it's page 547. You can't be doing this right now. <laughs> yep. Well, I got nothing for you. Well, I, I have very, I have a little bit more knowledge, but at this point in the book, I got nothing for you. Right. So yeah, the uh, the added wrinkle of Diloph being able to to resist a lot of uh, of Andor uh, is making this go very much in his favor, and uh, Raiden ends up uh, injured again. Uh, Serene does get back into the fight with her own swordplay, which is good to see. She does choose to have a one-liner before stabbing Diloph, though, which <laughs> maybe you didn't have to do that. And her cool girl boss sword fighting lasts for about three sentences. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's now not going well for Serene or Raiden. I I do wish that Serene's sword fight had been uh, a bit more of a of a stand, uh, but uh, the two of them are are both now incapacitated uh Diloph is is ready to to finally take his revenge uh and one more time we have the return of Hraithen who has not quite bled to death and still has something to say about this it's not over yet he has nothing to say which is <laughs> even cooler He's just has one last chance to be as dramatic as possible, and it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, Hraithen is here. Uh, as uh, as we we briefly noted earlier, he still had his his one arm kind of mysteriously hidden. Uh, he now mm. uses it to just block a sword blade, which in mm. almost every circumstance is a terrible idea, uh, but. <laughs> Hraithen was at Dakor for a very brief period of time uh, and we we haven't like there hasn't been time to actually see the details because it's all been in these these crazy fights uh, but there's something about Dakor monks where their their bo their body their bones are kind of twisted and and magically reinforced and Hraithen has has one arm that uh, that has has gone through 
uh, and he can just take a sword blow on his arm. This is all very cool. There's one line that I don't understand, which is obviously Diloph was surprised by the revelation as well. Diloph, you know Hraithan was at Dakor. You were there. You remember him. You were in charge. Why is it surprising that he has some Dakor stuff? You know what I find surprising is uh, seeing this plot point again because it showed up in a piece of media prior to this. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about the wonderful movie Chips. Um, because the main character in Chips uh, gets shot in this titanium plate that is in his arm and it ricochets off and hits the bad guy in the head. <laughs> I can't believe Brandon Sanderson stole from the hit film Chips. <laughs> he ripped out, or I guess this would be Chips ripping off this. No, no, he time traveled in order to rip off Chips. That's not allowed in the Cosmere, though. He went yeah. forward. And then he found... Hmm. Hmm. But it's allowed in, in real life. Yeah. But I just like to picture Dax Shepard reading Elantris and being like, Yes! This is how it will end! But uh, how this ends uh, is Hraithan just, like, one arm chokes Diloph to death. And it's pretty awesome. Because he is... He, he is getting... Diloph is, is still attacking him with the sword. And uh, it w when he doesn't hit literally Hraithan's one arm, it's quite effective. Hraithan is, is repeatedly taking sword wounds here. Uh, but he, he has a magical grip on Diloph's throat and just picks him up and, and snaps his neck. And there we have, I think we can call that our Hraith Demption. That's a Hraith Demption, right? There. I'd say that qualifies. <laughs> Snap the bad guy's neck and save the day. Just in time to make some sort of difference. You know, not in time to save the vast majority of the population of a major nation, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, Arlon has, uh, has seen better days. For the record, and this is not to say this is not a big deal, I'm pretty sure it was only the city of K. I feel like the majority of the nation of Arlon is actually doing okay. Not that we ever check in with anyone on the farms or plantations. <laughs> we but, see uh, literally, yeah. literally two places in this entire book. We see the, the cities of Elantris and K, and we see these like three chapters in Tiras, and that's it. Yeah. And, uh, and from there, we're going to wind things down. Uh, we have the the end of this chapter uh, as we we wind down the immediate action. Galadon arrives, is able to heal uh, Raoden. The the two of them then can can make sure everyone else here is all right. Most of the city of Tiras is is going to stand, and uh, Serene demands some sort of explanation as to this whole thing, which is a very fair question. Someone yeah. better start telling me things instead of me figuring them out for myself right now. Classic Serene. <laughs> I also, I, I truly, truly love uh, the clarification of Galadon waited to make sure Raoden arrived safely and that the teleportation worked before he did anything. That's just another really fun detail of like, yeah, let's, let's, let's not do 
something just as crazy as Raiden. Let's at least make sure it worked before we start sending more people through. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we have we have chapter 63, which is already sort of an epilogue. And then we have an epilogue. So let's let's take a look at both of those. Uh, chapter 63 may actually uh, already dethrone, what did I say, chapter 61 as most spirograph, because this is pretty spirograph. This is a funky flower-looking <laughs> one. I like this one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what, what do we have to wrap up in this book? Uh, Serene needs to actually get married to Raiden. That's been uh, a long time coming. There's been all sorts of, of things going wrong. And, uh, and, and in fact, she is, uh, ha- has thrown out the usual custom of, uh, n- of praying and preparing alone in the chapel. And she said, I'm keeping an eye on my husband until we actually get married because things have a tendency to go wrong. <laughs> my, my potential husbands have a way of disappearing. <laughs> Royal is dead. But you know, one tradition she hasn't gone away with is uh, tapping your cheek. Sure hasn't. I saw that. I was like, "Mm, Brandon got it in one last time just to piss Sam off. Last time, Brandon. (laughs) What we also have, uh, and I can totally see this happening, uh, is apparently as they were uh, recovering in Tiras, apparently... Raiden heard the the story of Serene's nickname and so is now just calling her Lucky Stick as well because he thinks it's funny. <laughs> Foul pole. <laughs> um, also, it happened off screen so I didn't quite nail it, but Ian is back! Ian got restored! Yay! Ian is back. Woo! Great job, Ian. Yeah, and, uh, and we have a we have a wedding, finally, that actually goes right. In it is apparently a, uh, a a long ceremony, which is not helped by the fact that uh, Father Omen is officiating and is doing his thing, where he just kind of starts talking and doesn't stop. Uh, and so Raiden takes this time in the middle of his own wedding to digest the plot of the end of this book. <laughs> That's extremely accurate. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Of- he zones out from his wedding and is just like, that was weird. And that was weird. Hmm. Sequel hooks. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, he's not only <laughs> processing the ending. He's also like, hmm, what are all these other things that could happen? It's, It gives me big um, end of Ant-Man 3 vibes, which Ant-Man 3 was not particularly good. But I do love that it ends on just Ant-Man being like, well, we did it. Problem solved. Right? Did that? Is there? <laughs> yeah, that was it, funny. Could that be a problem later? Mm, that's probably fine maybe (laughs) so yeah the things that we have wrapped up here uh like we mentioned there are multiple ways of of accessing the power of the door uh and apparently one of them they're all kind of mutually unknown to each other though maybe aeon door is is pretty widely known at least that it exists uh but he thinks about uh, whatever it is that the the Dakor monks can do, uh, he mentions uh, the the power that that Che Shan seemed to give to Shudan, and so there's there's apparently quite a bit more to learn about the door and the the things that it can do, and some of those things are known only by 
a, a force controlled by the Fjordal Empire. So that is concerning. Somewhere around here is when Serene notices that Raiden has zoned out and says, hey, pay attention, we're getting married. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we get we get a wedding and we get the, the ending of our book, which both Caleb and Sam called out as one hell of a way to end a book of, <laughs> hey, we got married, now we're going to fuck. <laughs> Time to fuck. They lived happily ever after. After they fucked is what I wrote down in my notes. It like the Cosmere has been ordinarily so chaste, and it's so weird for like the ending beat to be Serene's real excited to fuck. It's it's it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But was this her hang up the whole time? Was it just about sex or like what? It's just out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. It it's like it's a very like singular moment to end the 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 book proper on but it does seem a little a little goofy it's look, look good for her i'm just I, it, <laughs> it just it comes out of nowhere yeah yeah no it, it purely the the out of contextness of it is i think the weird part yeah but more power to you you know why not yeah life's too short it, for this group in particular life seems to have all sorts of things going at, going in the way. So, <laughs> but then once we have the the happy epilogue, we need the sad epilogue, which is the the epilogue proper, where it is uh, it is time to to kind of take stock of what it has what it has cost, uh, because we are we're some of it is just kind of like putting the pieces of, of Elantris back together. Uh, but then it is, uh, it's time for a memorial for, for those who, who were lost in this battle. And uh, in this, in, in this, this memorial, it is also, it's near Iodon's grave, which is weird to put that in proximity, but he, he was part of the whole course of the events of this book. Uh, but we also have Royal Eondel, and Karada and Saolin. And then one more to honor Kraithen, who did in fact uh in in some part take uh take part in saving uh Arlon and Elantris. And there's Is your it book. Who someone didn't someone pre- fully predict the last line of this book? Damn right I did. Yeah. <laughs> Second time that I've like pointed out a very, very specific detail because I also got um Mayor's flower showing up at the very end of Hero of Ages. Proud of that Hell one. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, there's a there when I when I checked back on for this episode in particular, there were a lot of things that I had to highlight on the, the prediction sheet. It's like, let's see, what did I add this episode in particular? Uh there being a broken Aeon somewhere. Uh, the the woman with the botched healing was related to Diloph. Uh, Diloph was trained at Dakor. Uh, Raiden actually does fix Aeons. Uh, and Hraithen attempts a Hraithdemption. Uh, and then in Caleb's column, I had where we, uh, the, the seconding of uh, Diloph uh, training at Dakor the Hraithdemption specifically because he was having a bad time. Uh, <laughs> Raiden almost going into the lake. That was there. 
one of the one of the deaths got there. Diloff was on your your death list. I was correct about Diloff. Yep. <laughs> and then it, it wasn't. Th- there was kind of an an honorary mark for at various times pointing to all of the pieces of uh, the whole thing with Keen and and Driok. But uh, yeah, you. Oh, I would not give myself any points for that. That I did. I, I did not get that. <laughs> There, there were there were points given for repeatedly saying, "I want to know what what's the deal with Driok, and I want to know what's up with Keen's giant axe." I was, I, I did get axe. I was very proud of axe. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I, I liked, I liked that I got the saver line, and I know this is not an important detail, but I did specifically. Uh, this wasn't even like a serious prediction, but I just kind of offhandedly mentioned Redemption specifically starting with Wraith and punching Diloff in the face. I was very happy that that specific thing happened. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, that is the end of Elantris proper. Uh, uh, when the book originally came out, I believe it did have a brief Ars Arcanum. I think it had the drawings of some of the Aeons. Uh, but the the rest of this this book is things that we had in the, the 10th anniversary edition. So... Given the fact that we went through a whole lot of plot in this section uh, and that we've been recording for over three hours at this point, uh, I do want to fairly uh, fairly soon bring this episode to a close. Uh, like I mentioned, in our next episode, we are going to be talking about Elantris as a whole, as well as the uh, the last bits of things that we're, we're going to read. Uh, so yeah, looking to, uh, to wrap up what we have for this episode... Um, I believe, Caleb, you have a, a little bit that you want to predict as for the, the very last contents of this book. Uh, and then we will uh, close this episode from here and then come back to talk about all of it. Yeah. Um, my, my only like thing that I feel confident about is that our, our last little bit, our last little story bit is going to be Hoyd related just because I feel like, you know, this is a re-release. Um so we want to start connecting the dots a little bit earlier. Um, in terms of specifics, this is my best guess. I'm not fully confident in it, but did Hoyt just straight up steal that box of weapons? Because it never came <laughs> up again. It's very, it's specified that all of the weapons that the girl boss women use are picked up from the guards that they're beating up. They just, the, the crate of weapons never comes up again. So... I, I, Hoyd can travel from world to world somehow. I can't imagine that this is the most convenient way to get one crate of weapons. But what happened to those? What was that, Hoyd? That's all I've got. <laughs> Alright, yeah, we will see uh, what we will be covering in our next episode because uh, it's a whole variety of things. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, we're going to be going through the the ending material here in the 10th anniversary edition of Elantris. Uh, that is the Ars Arcanum, uh, which includes a, a bit of writing about Andor as well as a, a table of known aeons. Uh, it's listed as deleted scene, but it's actually a, a series of, of deleted scenes from like bits and places called The Mad Prince. So we'll go over that. Uh, there is a postscript from Brandon, which we might briefly touch on because it's, it's just cool to read about his process there. 
Uh, and then, yes, a, a post-credits two-page scene to, to close things up. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we'll talk about this book as a whole. I know we we all we want to make sure that we give that a, a good uh, a good once over, and we definitely don't have time for that now. So we'll go through that. Also, in next week's episode, we are going to be doing our intro discussion on the Emperor's Soul. Uh, we don't have a whole lot to go on, as it is a a short story that doesn't have a bunch of the the extra contents that that some of these books do. Uh, and also, we're going to be reading it out of Arcanum Unbounded. So I have uh, I, I've sent around the original uh, back of the book uh, text from the the original paperback of it. Uh, so we'll we'll look at that when we'll look at just kind of generally what we know about going into our our first short story, uh, and that'll be that'll be a, an interesting change from our our usual experience of taking several months to to go through something so uh i'm looking forward to it i also just really like emperor's soul so that'll be that'll be pretty good yeah good stuff abounds i have one important question do ask does emperor's soul have a map it does not god damn it i can draw you one (laughs) what's even the point (laughs) all right you know what caleb i will draw you a map it will not include every location. It will include the most relevant ones. Yeah. Good. I am hyped for that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week for that. You can find all of our episodes, past and future, uh, once they're published, on alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can email us to talk to us about what we have or what we have read or what we will read at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can also chat with us on our social media uh, at Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, or Mastodon at alwaysanotherpod at kind.social. Those are all the things we needed to do. It's coming up on three and a half hours of recording. Several of us are not feeling particularly well. Thank you all for listening to us read uh, Elantris and talk about it. I think we're going to end this one here. <laughs> yeah. Earlier when I was talking about teleportation, I mentioned the loop at Streeterville. I know they're right next to each other. I've just been there recently, so they were on the brain. I know I could have picked a better example. I'm sorry. It would also still take a while to get from one to the other, depending on positioning. There's a... <laughs>